Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is the 15th of September, halfway through the ninth month of the year. Can you believe it? It is time, everyone, for your midweek morning combat. Hello, my name is Luke Thomas. I'm from CBS Sports, as well as Showtime on occasion. And I'm joined by a man who, when he's not hawking t-shirts, he's dyeing his hair all kinds of colors of the rainbow. He's the king of Connecticut. He can do that kind of thing. It's Brian Campbell. What's up, BC? I'm I'm pretty gray at the moment, Luke. Not uh, you know, uh, emotionally, just hair wise. Although my wife did drop a nice just for men on my bathroom sink yesterday. I'm like, you trying to tell me something? You know, I mean, say 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 it to my face, right? You know what I mean? So uh, we'll see if I start showing up um, somewhere between this and that uh, shoe polish black Elvis '68 comeback special that your boy pulled out in uh, Las Vegas in in error. Okay, as we found out in error. Either way, Luke, it's a no no J, J Wednesday. It's uh, glad to be here. Da- damn glad to be here and uh, fired up because uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on in this MK universe right now, Luke. That I think the people are gonna you know enjoy. They're gonna like the way it feels on them. They're gonna catch the feels, so to speak. More more on a lot of that to come. But what a time, Luke. What a time. Like Elvis, how close to dying on the toilet did you come during that Vegas trip? You know, we we've had our moments on the road, Luke. Okay, let's just say that. But uh, yeah. got a big got a big liver doctor's appointment tomorrow that was rescheduled a few times. So I'll have a better handle on Friday show, Luke. Whether we break up simply because we secretly hate each other, or whether my health takes me out for good, Luke. Okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, hopefully it comes to neither of those things. Today is actually my nine-year wedding anniversary. I would wish my wife a happy anniversary, but, you know, there's zero chance she's watching. So I'll just do okay. that for you, dogs. Um, Luke, Luke otherwise, best we nine a- years of your life, though. Best nine, right? For sure. For sure. And some of the most impactful as well. Yeah. Um, okay. We have a lot, lot to get to today. There's some Jake Paul news. We finally have to talk about this transgender fighter who is sort of making the rounds in Combate Global and a ton of other stuff, including fan subs. The Wheel of Death is back today. So we have a lot to get to. Thumbs up on the video no matter who you are. And if you're freeloading, we're not asking for much. Give us a free subscription. Just click a button for us. Hit the notification bell. It's all you got to do. You ain't got to spend a dime. 
just like here you yeah, can see you're, all you're the good stuff. You're not going to get text social. messages or emails if you don't want them, folks. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like just that's right. Just click subscribe, join the club, right? I mean, you just know, it's free not, content. That's it. Just free it, content. That's all we're asking for. It's not like for. those that time those prominent national boxing writers that we all know accidentally hit like on the Twitter porn video. It's not like that where then the whole world sees what you're into. This can be a private transaction. Okay. That's right. Exactly correct. So beyond that, if you want to try Showtime, which, of course, Bellator returns to their airwaves on Saturday with Yoel Romero taking on Phil Davis, you can get a 30-day free trial by going to Showtime.com. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, go do something else with your life. BC, why don't you tell the folks what the, uh, and it's written onto the rundown, which will be a nice test to see if you have it open. Yeah. Why don't you tell the folks what the, uh, the merch update is? Well, look, we, uh, we said it's going to be for a limited time, and it was. The BC to the BDE Puerto Rican-influenced Hawaiian shirt. I don't know how that works, Luke, with the uh, cross-pollination of the island communities there. Uh, that shit sold out. That shit sold out quickly, right? Yeah. Um. So here's the deal. If you missed out for now, you missed out. Your boy BC has been pressuring the folks who, who run MorningCombat.store due to the, uh, the outrageous demand for this piece of fabric to um, see if we can bring it back. They said, hey, BC, you know? This, this was a limited time edition, so stay tuned. Maybe maybe we can work something out in the future, but for now, you're SOL. The good news is, though, if you go to morningcombat.store, I'll keep pushing them to get the Hawaiian shirt back, but we got plenty of new stuff, plenty of great stuff on there, okay? You want to wear a tie-dyed dad hat that says MK on it? You want to have the combat camper mug for your little, little uh, you know, I know you like coffee and you like tea, but... To be able to enter a final plea, you can pick up all this stuff at morningcombat.store, okay? So uh, please do that. We got the uh, we got the good shit there. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, Luke, we'll see if we can get a couple more specials out there. Maybe get your face on a piece of clothes. Maybe get this shirt out there in the uh, ethosphere, as they say, Luke, right? That's right. There is much more to come. We have lots of uh, cards up our sleeve. We're just slowly dealing. I feel like we're getting better with the merch. Yesterday was yes. better. We got, we got, we got. A little, it's, it's smoothening out a little bit. It you want to like. cr- shout out our new guy, R.J. Grundlemaker? I mean, he's made a big difference in a short period of time. I don't, I don't think that's his actual last name, but uh, we can call him that if you want. Uh, and then, last but not least, BC Week One might be over, but the season, the NFL season, is just getting started over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Draft K M K getting together, and of course, DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off Week Two, DraftKings is giving new customers. $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. This is something, of course, you're not going to want to miss, BC. Uh, no, it, it is. It, it's a great relationship right now. MK, BK, DK. You know what I'm talking about right there with all those initials. And uh, look, putting a little action on the action, as we've said multiple times, it's about as fun as watching sports can get. So whether you're watching the UFC whether you're watching Bellator this weekend, whether you're going to get geared up for the big fights coming next week, or just how about NFL Week 2, uh, why don't you do that? Because $200 for $1 to enter for new customers, great deal right there. And, of course, Luke, if um, the DraftKings Sportsbook is not applicable in your state due to betting laws, there's plenty uh, of daily fantasy you can get into on DraftKings. Also, a chance to enter that $1 million prize pool. So uh, why don't you join the good folks over there at DK? Because uh, MK's moving in, okay? We're gonna we're gonna consummate this relationship, so to speak, Luke. It's gonna be like Megan Fox in MGK. So don't be Conor McGregor and try to get us, you know, try to get a selfie on that red carpet. We're not, we're not letting you in, okay? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code Combat. That's Combat with a K, so K O M B A T, to receive two hundred dollars in free bets when you place a one dollar bet 
on any football game. Promo code COMBAT this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And as everybody knows, if you want to put the bet there, if you get the 200 bucks on the NFL and then use that 200 to go and make some boxing and some MMA bets, you certainly may do that as well. Uh, all, all is yours to play with there. All right, BC, uh, you ready to get this started? Before we do, real quickly, there are some Irish fans who said, hey, maybe uh, BC and LT O'Connor. Uh, I'm not talking about that fine and fantastic 90s movie with Nick Cage. Conor McGregor, an apology, Luke, for the fact that MGK now admits he pushed McGregor away first because he felt intimidated. Luke, uh, I'd like to, uh, uh, you know, uh, apologize to no one. And uh, look, if you're a pro fighter... And and some and some white guy rapper pushes you. I don't know if you got to throw a drink at him. Okay, can you retain yourself a little bit? But Luke, are yeah. you trying to fill in the, the the salty details and wonder? Did he ask? Did he ask Jay? No, not not Jay. Did he ask Megan Fox for a uh, a photo? And did MGK get a little you know little you know? Did he feel the presence of the BDE? And he said, No, no, no. I'm a Poirier guy. Why don't you Why don't you step back? Is that kind of what happened, Luke? I don't know. I wasn't there, and I don't care. You want to get okay. this started? Yeah, all right, all right. Okay, all right. That's Let's do it. Topic number one, it's, um, well, it's a topic that some of you guys don't want to get into, but there is a little bit on it that deserves some recognition. Namely, Jake Paul has spoken to a couple of media outlets. I know he spoke to MMA Fightings, or uh, Ariel Hawani. I think he did ESPN as well. And there was a few pieces of news that came out about it. First of all, they both passed their fight night drug test, which is to say they both passed their fight night IQ tests. Um, for whatever that is worth to whoa, folks, doesn't mean whoa. a lot to me. <laughs> okay, he what? did say it was a urine test. Once you once you heard it was a urine test, you're like, oh, the, they ain't failing that one, Luke. Okay. I mean, and also if it was a blood test and they knew it was coming on fight night, I mean, it's it doesn't do much. But okay, neither here nor there. Where we are is next opponent, and that part is to me a little bit interesting, BC. So what he basically said was that he used the fact that Tyron has not gotten the tattoo as a pretext for the reasons why he does not need to give him another fight, that he's moving on, is the words that he would use from Tyron Woodley. I tend to think that he realizes that there's not much upside in a rematch, given what you could get in some other directions. But there are estimates that sold about 500K pay-per-views. I don't know what the internal projections are. To me, BC, we've talked about this a million times. Folks think you either sell a million or you don't, and that's good or it's bad. It's not true. A million, of course, is the benchmark for truly elite pay-per-view sellers, but if you're selling four or 500,000, that's good money. That's very good oh, money. Very era? few headliners can do it. And, BC, that would be 2x the most we've ever seen from any Tyron Woodley headlined UFC pay-per-view. So he actually doubled what he would normally be able to do. What are your reactions to him moving on from Woodley, especially given how well it had done? Yeah, look, Jake Paul's handled so much of this boxing crossover very well. He's proven that he's a draw. Obviously, we didn't know what to believe on those initial Triller pay-per-view numbers when he beat Askren, and I haven't seen an official number for this one. No one at Showtime is telling us anything, so you always have to have a grain of salt on what the exact number is, but the projections are showing you that this experiment is working, Luke, and I love the way that Jake has handled himself media-wise. Now, what I'm about to say, it's not that you can't pick through his words and try to read his exact sentiments, and I have no problem sort of calling him out on those, but the way he navigates what are your thoughts on this guy or this guy, it, it's very savvy. It, it plays up the intelligence factor that we are talking about in the fact that, look, he's not a real fighter, so three, four fights into this, he's not going to go fight some up-and-coming unbeaten guy in real boxing or some or some title challenger he's going to be creative but he's also going to try to tilt the tilt the deck in his favor and i think that's what we saw in his reactions now luke here's the deal when asked by ariel specifically 
about fighting Anderson Silva or Vitor Belfort, his general sort of take on that was, I, I want to fight guys my own age. I don't want to be fighting these old guys where I'm not going to get the credit for knocking them out. And while in some ways that's refreshing because it's going away from that sort of Evander Holyfield stain in last week's Triller card that we're dealing with the hangover that, but in another way, Luke, these guys are his size or bigger. So it is a, a somewhat of a savvy way to say these are dangerous fights that I'm not sure it's worth it for the money. You could say he's trying to duck. He's also trying to maneuver here and put himself in chances to win these fights. But he did say, I, it's not that I'm against the Anderson one. He is one of the people that we're talking to. It would really just come down to, you know, the money in this case. And Luke, I think we can make the argument here that Anderson is, is probably the toughest fight he could, he could sign up for in this bubble. It would be one of the biggest uh, potentially pay-per-view draw-wise and all that. But I also think that's a horrible fight for him. So I do question how serious he really is on his intentions of that. Same reason he said, look, I don't have any interest in Belfort. He's too old. He's a steroid head. But if the guys at Triller aren't lying about this, if you can send me a proof of, uh, of a bank statement that you really do have $30 million in there, okay, yeah, sure, I'd consider it. Luke, when talking about all the opponents, he said there's four people in particular that they're talking to. He didn't want to give it up, although when, when uh, Ariel did kind of say, you know, is Nate Diaz one of them, he kind of bit his tongue and didn't answer. But it's clear to me from Jake's words that Jorge Masvidal is the one he wants the most, the one that he's targeting. And Luke, I think it's really smart from this standpoint. Jake would probably be a betting underdog against either Belfort or Silva. These guys are his size. The key to sort of the smoke and mirrors, which Kimbo Slice did as well, to this type of matchmaking as Jake learns on the job and each camp gets a little bit better, is trying to keep it in your favor. I mean, look, it's Lloyd did that when he was the A-side. A lot of fighters have done that in that regard. And I think Masvidal potentially, although there's a major hurdle and a major roadblock, which he got into. But Luke, you, have to, you could say that's potentially, all things considered, the best matchup he could make financially, the 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 perceived threat by the public that he could lose, even though he's by far the naturally bigger fighter. Luke, I love the double down and triple down pressure he's putting on by saying, hey, Jorge, go call your daddy, Dana White, and try to make this happen. And how he's saying, I've been knocking out all your ex-UFC heroes, Dana. Now put me in there with somebody still close enough to his prime that I can beat. Luke, is, is this a moot point? And do you agree with me that... Uh, if there was a way to make this happen, if Dana White said, okay, I'm going to get in in this business with you, that this would sell the most pay-per-views of anybody he could fight right now short of Connor, which isn't happening. Yeah, I do think it would be monumental. I think Jake Paul versus Jorge Masvidal right now would be, especially if the UFC machine kind of got behind it. You know, like obviously for folks who remember Mayweather McGregor, and I don't know that that would come to this, but just as an example, we all lived through it, and that was the Showtime machine plus the UFC machine together, plus the worlds colliding. It was so many dominant forces in the marketplace that the amount of promotion for that fight was, you know, insane. If you could get something like that again for this, because Jorge is under contract, because he is still you know, relatively close to his prime, I think you would do gangbusters. It just doesn't seem like Dana White is in that kind of business. And in fact, Dana White was asked about it last night following the Contender Series. And he was saying, like, Anderson's not under contract with us. Like, you know, you want a guy who's not under contract with us, there's a great guy to pick up. I mean, the funny thing about the, ch the, the charges of him ducking Anderson, it's quite obviously true. Like, he is obviously doesn't want any part of Anderson or Vitor. But like it's, I, I almost I understand the criticisms and I think that they're real. But at the same time, like I don't even care because it's like, dude, 
the entire thing he's doing where he's going outside of the normal boxing space, he's not working his way up towards a real ladder of contenders to something towards championship boxing. This is totally separate from that. The whole thing is ducking. It's ducking completely away yeah. from, like, I mean, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be that you don't get those huge paydays and the big limelights until you really work your way up the food chain to so get those kinds fair? of things. So are we being fair? Are we being fair to him? Because there's people that are going to watch and say, oh, you guys are the Showtime guys. You guys shot on Triller, but you're not shitting on Showtime. Once again, different presentations. I think you can see the difference between, you know, the 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 last Jake Paul pay-per-view and the Triller card we saw the other day. But we're saying straight up, we know Jake's ducking these guys. He's being savvy about it this is it's yeah different. this is what it's about you you want to you either want to see jake paul fight or you don't this idea that like oh he's avoiding anderson like quite clearly he doesn't want and dude i if i was advising jake i would tell him not to take the anderson fight because that yeah. would go very poorly for him but at the same time the entire thing he's doing is i'm going to carve out my own lane separate from all of these other pressures, separate from all of these ladders that everyone else has erected that I'm supposed to climb up. I'm going to just do my own thing. Well, fine, if you're going to do that, then you can pick and choose who you like. Your only consequence would be how long can you keep this going, basically, and convince people that's something you want to watch. I tend to think that Tommy Fury is probably the top of that list, BC. He's young. He's yeah. got a name. We've talked about it before. You could put that fight in the UK. It would sell a ton. I do think, though... There is a trade-off between Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva as an overall pay-per-view event versus Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury as a pay-per-view event. I think both do well, but I do think it would not do as well uh, if Anderson Silva, or I should say, would do better if he was out there as a uh, the B-side or the A-side, whatever. Well, Jake was asked uh, if he would come back this year, and he said, you know, it may depend on, on Showtime's layout schedule in terms of what pay-per-views they're trying to do, but he'd like to come back pretty soon. I, look, Tommy Fury just makes a lot of sense, especially... If you're trying to quiet the people that are saying, okay, you're only looking at old MMA fighters. And again, Jorge Masvidal's like, you know, 36. So it's not like this guy's a spring chicken either. This could calm down some of that because you'd be fighting a quote unquote real boxer in Tommy Fury. Although obviously, and we saw on that, on that show, the Showtime pay-per-view, unless Tommy Fury was doing a great job of playing possum, he's just not, you know, he may have intentions of a real fighter and say the right things and have the Fury name. But he's not there yet. He's raw and unpolished. So this is a winnable fight for Jake, even though it's somebody much more his size. But I think what you just talked about, the potential of bringing this to England, I don't know if that would be in the plans for Jake Paul or Showtime pay-per-view or whomever, but that could really raise the sort of the, the buzz around this event. If you could put that in a stadium, get people involved, get the Fury family, including Tyson and Big John, as part of the buildup, that might be the next step to complete to continue to raise the brand and draw up the dollar price and all that. Um, I'm not here yet, Luke, because we're still four or five fights into it to say, no, Jake, enough. Cash yourself out. Go figure out how great you can be. Because he's not trying to tell people, uh, you know, I I'm going to be champion soon. In fact, you know, he sort of outlined a dream when talking to Ariel and saying, you know, maybe one day at the end of the road, if I could get a chance to fight for a title and win it, then I just throw the title to the ground pro wrestling style and be like, you know, F you all. He doesn't care about that. He's obvious about that. So either you, like you said, either you care about this soap opera or you don't. If you do, he's going to have the control right now. Doesn't mean he can't make fights where he could lose or couldn't be exciting. So it's going to be interesting how he navigates what he has here because, like we said it, one misstep, if it's a big misstep, it could, it could blow up the bubble. So it's going to be interesting to see. But Luke, he touched on a few... Other things that I thought were very interesting, including his business ambitions. Is he a Robin Hood for, you know, boxers and MMA fighters that aren't getting paid, bringing attention to it? You could argue that. But now he's saying his promotional company, MVP, 
uh, Productions or whatever he's calling that thing is getting into the Amanda Serrano business in terms of co-promotion along with Lou DiBella, her, her current promoter, and that they are talking to Eddie Hearn to try to make this Amanda Serrano, Katie Taylor, lightweight, undisputed championship fight a reality. That's interesting, Luke. That's an interesting I, I, sort of listen, pivot here. I actually tend to think if he wants a future in boxing, that's a real one. That That's one where he, you know, obviously we're very early stages of whatever that might be as well. But listen, if you took it, what did you take away from the Cleveland experience? I'll tell you what I took away from that. It's quite obviously this kid is, you know, we've talked about it before. For a celebrity, he can box. For a boxer, he's just a celebrity. That's that's always what it's going to be, no matter no matter what, for the most part. But uh, he does have a, he's a very capable self-promoter, one. And two, dude, when you realize he was in charge of 50% of everything you saw from the night of the broadcast to the workouts to the presser, that was his company, MVP, staging those events, then Showtime essentially acting as a broadcast partner. This dude has his hands in a lot of different uh, uh, parts of the fight game. It does seem to me, BC, and we'll see how things go with the Serrano and um, Katie Taylor negotiations with, with, with Eddie Hearn, but let's say he can help bring that to fruition. You want a place in the game, it seems to me that that might actually be a route that you can take. Um, I tend to think that that seems like a potentially, potentially fortuitous possibilities there. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Luke, I, I want I always like to close rapid style and get your opinion on here. Um, what would it take to get Dana involved? Would it be two, three more knockouts and doubling your pay-per-view audience? What would it take to get Dana to say, okay, Nate Diaz's contract is coming to a close soon. I'll get in on this with you. I don't know. The thing about it was Mayweather and Connor was so huge. It moved mountains. I don't know if there is any permutation that gets that done, which is not to say there's not a, a gazillion matchups you couldn't think of, Connor, Jorge, Nate Diaz, whatever, in the boxing side of things that would make killer money, maybe even $2 million in pay-per-view buys. Like I think it could do that. But is there anything that gets you above three or four, which is the territory for Mayweather and McGregor, actually well above four? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that exists. And so for that reason, I tend to think that they're – just sort of putting it out there. But I will say this. It's, dude, Dana White cannot do any kind of scrum with the media without someone, several media members, bringing up Jake Paul constantly. It's the biggest <laughs> thorn in his side, short of fighter pay, which, and those two are related there. Yeah, that's why if you're like, hey, guys, enough on freaking Jake Paul. Dude, he's on the front. He's on the tip of the tongue of both sides of the line right now because he draws. It is what it is. But I think to, to your point there, 2017 was a different area that was Connor's gone away. Rousey's done. UFC needs some money pre-ESPN deal. So that was a different time, so to speak. Uh, you're not going to see that again unless something major changes. And also, Luke, how many more fights do you think before you and I start to go, okay, Jake, now you got to face the guys your size with better experience. I mean, how much longer on the, hey, he's a celebrity, he's calling the shots. How much rope are you going to give him before you're like, all right, F this now. You got to fight, fight Vitor or somebody like that. He's a little bit trapped because if he goes out there and he beats Tommy Fury in, let's say, you know, dominant fashion or something, the calls for him to fight somebody who is considered a much more credible threat to him will intensify. And at that point, you begin to trade off what you could generate by virtue of not meeting fan demand. On the other hand, if it's, you know, relatively ho-hum, but he gets a win, he doesn't face necessarily some of those pressures, but you're not really giving the fans the kind of return that they need, I think, over time anyway, to sustain this effort. So 
probably a little while longer. I think it can go this way, but I do think ultimately this is going to come to some kind of conclusion based on uh, either Peter's out one way or he loses badly in the bubble bursts. I don't, I don't know how else this can go on for so long. Well, I'm uh, Chavez Jr., Luke. I'm getting up in the bullpen. There may be one more payday for me <laughs> at the end of this rainbow. Okay? Yeah. I mean, what is he doing? He, that dude probably woke up with like Dorito crumbs on his chest after he passed out in the bed, you know, watching Family Guy reruns. I don't know yeah. what he's doing with his life. Uh, okay, let's go to topic number two. So this is one that we didn't want to get to on Monday because we had other things to get to. And we kind of like thought, well, you know, let's get to this when we need to get to this. And we probably don't need to get to it today, but I do think it's worth having a conversation about. Namely, there is a transgender fighter who transitioned from uh, male to female. Uh, her name is Alana McLaughlin. McLaughlin? I think it's like McLaughlin, yes. Like the McLaughlin group. Uh, and she competes in Combate Global and won her last bout not too long ago. I have the article up here from ESPN. This was in, yeah, 11th of September. So this is just last week. Okay. So there's a lot of discussion about this, BC. I've did a fair amount of research for this topic, BC, but I'm curious... I'm not even sure where to start with this one, but I guess the the basic question I would ask is, one, have you reviewed at least any of her fights? And two, what is your takeaway about to what extent combat sports should carve out a place for fighters like this? Yeah, look, this is this is a, a topic that certainly has legs in, in, in much further directions. You see that a lot. Debates on the high school level, Luke, especially, you know, when, when, when males transition to females and then dominate, and is that costing kids scholarship opportunities you see that a lot in, in different areas combat sports can certainly be a little different because of the danger involved my knee-jerk reaction is somewhat in line with a lot of the fighter reaction that we're seeing just saying look like this doesn't seem to be fair at the end of the day someone in this case alana who's got the you know the 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 military background and the you know they show you show the before and after video and your your, your knee-jerk reaction is to have fear for the females uh, that she could potentially fight. And obviously in this case, you know, for Combate, they, they found an opponent who was willing. It took them a while, but, but you know, kudos. And it was on that point, it's on, you know, more or less even terms if, if both fighters agree. But I do think, Luke, even though right now I'm against it from the standpoint of, of fighter safety, something's eventually going to have to be done across all sports, Luke, because we are going into a, into more inclusive times in just about every category that are so different socially and culturally from even where we were 5, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, look, think about the the just, you know, the jokes that used to be considered okay to make in public in your in your office that are now horribly insensitive and you're like, you know, why why would I just 7 years ago think that that was okay to do publicly? And I'm wondering, Luke, if this leads to, you know, a, a removal of genders in in the as it pertains to sports down the line. The sports one day become gender free with with the continued inclusion in so many aspects of life where it's just sort of like at the highest levels it's just sort of open it's not male or female it's just sort of in that case luke it's just sort of like people would be like okay go for it you know if you're a a, a, tr a fighter who has transitioned already and you feel you can compete in that go but we're not there yet luke and we don't seem to be anywhere close to that yet so I, I don't know what the right answer is within this specific rounds, because as males and females, as we know today, there is a major difference in, in, in power. That's the fear, you know, bone structure, size, power, all of that. There's no, there's no overlooking that. And as that pertains right now to, to pro fighting or even in high school basketball, if the, if this, you know, or high school wrestling, if the size difference was that much, it, it's an unfair potential advantage in the, and when you have a sport that it could cause 
legitimate danger and it's already dangerous enough. I'm sort of stuck at this point where I do agree with a lot of the fighters. I'm, you know, not not in a hateful way, but in a way that that as of right now, this isn't fair. Will it one day be fair? Could could one fighter come along that changes our thoughts and perceptions on this? I do think one day we'll get there. I mean, the evolution of so many things positive have 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 happened quick uh, in this modern day. But Luke, I don't know how you can sign off on that now, though. The way things are set up right now. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm more or less in agreement with you. I I, I want to say a couple of things about it first. It's num, number one. Whenever you have some kind of issue like this in combat sports, you naturally bear witness to what can only be described as the ugliest version of it, and not just from small corners on YouTube comments, but from fighters as well. Listen, if if you can't make an argument about the science, then you can't make an argument about this. This is not an argument about whether or not people should be transgender, whether they shouldn't, whether it's a good thing, whether it's a bad thing. This is not really the argument. The argument is now that they are here, to what extent do they deserve inclusion in these protected categories, male versus female, right? And we call it protected for a reason, because if if you didn't have categories the way you were indicating, BC, let's imagine we didn't have weight classes. You know, Khabib's never going to be a champion if there are no weight classes, right? You have to have certain kinds of protected classes, and in combat sports, weight is one of them, gender is another. Then the whole point about fairness of sport kind of goes out the window. But there are a lot of people who like to parade insanely retrograde, absolutely horrific views about other human beings under the guise that what they're doing is making an argument about fairness in sports because at their heart, BC, they're just so concerned about the state of women's sports. No, these are bigots who just want you to know that they're bigots and they want to use something like this as a uh, cudgel um, and as a Trojan horse to get into the conversation. Well, to me, yeah. they don't belong in any I capacity mean, Luke, whatsoever and I won't tolerate it to your point, for five seconds. It's, not, it's no different than people using politics or religion to cover up a certain level of hate over a certain topic. It's, of course, it's sad. of course. And so, so, so to the extent that those opinions are out there, I don't give a fuck. And I got to tell you, after the pandemic, there's a lot of people in MMA, fighters, managers, promoters, some media included, you have surrendered the right to have a serious opinion based on the idiocy with which you have tackled everything through this point. Let me put that out there first. Now, the first thing I came to was here, like how am I even possibly going to adjudicate this in any way? Fallon Fox was weird for me because we had this situation and we didn't really have any research to understand better what it means to have someone in her particular situation, which was full-grown adult male who then transitioned later in uh, adult life. This is something similar to that case with Alana uh, McLaughlin. So I looked up, and I've been following this guy for a long time. We don't agree on a lot of issues, especially related to doping, but there's a science of sport uh, professor named Dr. Ross Tucker. He has done incredible research. In fact, he has been instrumental in helping world rugby uh, cope with the situation. Like, what do you do with males who have transitioned to females who want to play on rugby teams? To what extent should that be allowed? And he, of course, makes the argument very clearly up front. This has nothing, nothing to do with trying to police people's life choices. It is, it's, it, and, and to the extent that that gets brought in at all, these people don't, they don't have a role in this debate. You are not relevant. You have an ax to grind that is no place here. But there was a study done in Sweden recently, and a lot of this information is recent, that found they did, now it's a smaller study, and they did not include like, let's say, highest level athletes. So there are some problems with the study. More research is needed. But what they looked into was, there's this, con, there's this what, what are some of the major things that are done when you have this transition from male to female? The biggest one that they offer as evidence 
that the uh, uh, advantages are you know essentially removed is this hormone suppression, testosterone repression. And what they basically found was that, it, for example, in weightlifting, males tend to have a 30 to 40% advantage in pure strength at the elite level over the women. Like it's a, it's, it, that's why they're, again, protected classes. What they found was that even after a year of testosterone, essentially, and, and hormone suppression, the amount that it made in terms of things like, for example, hemoglobin concentration, which would be you know red blood cell concentration in your body, that did go down to female levels pretty quickly. But a lot of other things, including strength, lean muscle mass, uh, muscle retention, whatnot, that we had less than a 5% change after a year. And what that basically says, Combate Global is not the highest level of sport, but that transitioning from male to female, you are going to carry an X amount of advantage. Even with the hormone suppression, it only reduces that advantage by a slight amount. Now, as they indicated, this research is fairly new. There is more that is required, but the idea um, that hormone suppression, testosterone repression by itself and getting it to a level that would be on par with their female counterparts, um, that, that, that is evidence enough of reducing the advantage is simply not true. In other words, yeah. what does the research currently say? It currently says that probably allowing transgender fighters who have transitioned after getting all of the benefits through puberty that testosterone provides is not going to confer fair advantages. That's what the existing research says. But I will tell you, BC, and I think you raised a great point. Listen, man, you can have, I think right now, you can have inclusion or you can have fairness in sports. I don't think you can have both. But I also don't think that that is sustainable over the long run. Forget about combat sports, which, you know, this becomes much more immediate given safety concerns. We had Laurel Hubbard, the weightlifter who was uh, from New Zealand tried to compete. She totally bombed out at the Olympics. I'm just pointing out, they're not going away. There's going to be more and more of these situations. So more research is done. And I am open to the idea that subsequent research could tell us things that our existing research does not, and we're going to have to change our opinion. I don't think this is an issue we can just forget about. But I do think, in all fairness, if we're trying to evaluate the best evidence that we have, the best evidence indicates this is not something that currently should be allowed. Yeah, that's fair. And, I, and, and you have to ask, okay, what, what can a promotion do moving forward? What can Combate do if they want to continue to promote Alana? Uh, do you have to make fights exhibition or, or, or have it, you know... I mean, you certainly have to find willing opponents. And if you do, again... Then, then you know, fair play. But even it, then, even if you find a willing opponent, that again, dude, either women's sports as a category matter or they don't, right? And right, if we're going right. to have that as a protected class, which you should, then it, again, if you watch her fight, she's not she's not very good. She's okay. She's enough to get on that level, and she won her last fight. Although she got rocked a little bit and had to come back. And it's not like I want to deny these people every opportunity they are owed. They face enough. I mean, can you imagine like the kinds of messages this person gets oh, from God. the hateful members? I mean, it must be an endless stream of it. I don't wish that upon anyone. I mean, do you remember? I mean, just look back at the crap Cyborg got from Rousey and Dana. I mean, like it's you know we're we're not that far removed from that, Luke. You know, and that's right. not even exactly. a comparative. And, and we're not even and we're not even dealing with the same issue there. We're just dealing with somebody. No, that's who not had... even a an apple apple situation. It just shows you the knee jerk sort of like ignorant response that is that is still so prevalent. 
It, but I, I just feel like I just feel like um, and there's there, you know I'll recommend I'll tweet out some links for some folks after the show if they want to go and hear what Ross Tucker the 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 professor and the you know the, the sort of the world authority on this has to say. I, I currently I, I I really recommend that. Uh, it's not I don't love the idea of just saying no to people like go find something else and we don't have a something else for them. But at the at the same time, if 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 what we actually really care about is making sure that women have the utmost amount of fairness, um, I don't know what research you can point to to say that this is a thing that should be allowed. Even if yeah. we can recognize that, you know, is she going to beat the world's best women? No, I don't, she's not going to beat the world's best women. But that doesn't mean she's not retaining advantages relative to the baseline that was previously there, given the competition change. And it, and it doesn't mean we won't see positive step forward, which is if you find enough transition fighters for male to female that that want to compete at the highest level they can for a promotion to like i sort of teased create a division you know it, it, for that and does that lead to the eventual down the road removal of of gender classifications in fight sports you'd have to th- it'd be it'd be ignorant to say it never would luke eventually it would but we seem to be a very far you know far away from that this you know this just talking like this, even on this show, is obviously a positive step in the right direction to sort of figure out how to be inclusive without without being, you know, dangerous. And, and the science is going to, the research will have to be a lot in that, as you said. And, uh, you know, it, it also takes time for, for people in decision-making situations to, to to want to open up these doors as well. But it, it it's tough, Luke. It's tough for somebody just like it was tough before Title IX for women that wanted to play sports at a t- higher level and couldn't, you know? You're going to have to have pioneers along the way that push boundaries. It just seems to be very early in that regard where you're going to find a lot of people willing to say yes for the right reasons. Right, and I often see like, you know, oh, well, there's not really a whole lot of them. Aren't there other things we could be doing to promote women's sports? Yes. Ignoring the transgender issue for a moment, are there other things that could be done to make women's sports better, safer, whatever? Of course there are, but that doesn't really change the immediacy of this issue. And granted, it's not team sports where, for example, if you are a transgender player and you play in a team sports, the amount of other players you come into contact with on opposing teams, you know, that becomes a lot of people over time versus MMA. It's just one at a time. So the scale problem isn't there either in the same way it might be for uh, other kinds of sports. I recognize. I feel like there's a lot more examination of this that has to happen in BC. What if someone transitions for whatever reason prior to puberty? What does that do to the debate? There's just a lot we just don't know. But I'm basing what my opinion is on what the experts are telling me in this field. And they're telling me that the current way in which we are managing the situation does not reduce meaningfully the overwhelming advantages that come from a protected class to another. And I yeah. think that has to matter at some point. You have to wonder, though, Luke, are we 10 years away from the first trans- transgender fighter fighting in the UFC at the highest level? You know, will the UFC still be at the highest level at that point? It, it It's going to be interesting how history evolves. And by the way, no one really cares about the other way where women go to men, and we've seen a boxer do that, go from uh, female to male and actually win. Um, but you know, obviously it's not the same kind of moral dilemma that this one brings up. I'll just, last people, thing I'll say in this, we've seen people like Vitor go to, you know, 2013 and just have more testosterone than any human has ever had at one point, Luke, you know, and look at those results, yeah. right? In the end, the authorities will make the decisions based on the best, I hope the best available science that exists, whatever time that may be in whatever condition that may be. And we'll leave it at that. But I want to be clear one more time. The, the, overwhelming amount of discussion I have seen about this issue is people bringing in their priors about how they don't like transgender people and then using this issue as a way to paste their hateful world ideology on top of it. You can take that shit to another sucker because it has no place 
at all in this conversation, and I really will. I will tolerate like none of it. Miss me with that hate, and miss me with BC's attempt at the Vitor Belfort Mohawk joke, even though I think it hit yes. pretty good, Luke. Okay. Yes. Okay. Topic number three: the the Mohawk joke was okay. Topic number three, BC. We kind of got to it on Monday, but I want to revisit it in BC. I have a very simple question for you. We're talking about Yoel Romero, who headlined Saturday against Phil Davis at the SAP Center on Showtime for Bellator. BC, let me ask you a question. Why hasn't there been any interviews with Yoel this week on any media outlet that I can find? It's a fair question, Luke. You got good questions this week about Bellator. Was Phil Davis the right matchup for him, which I thought was an interesting one on Monday? I have also looked for research for this show today, knowing we're going to talk about Yoel again because this is a fight we both really want to see a lot of unanswered questions. Um, I don't know. And Luke, I, 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 you know, I don't think we investigated a lot after he, after Yoel fell out of the Rumble Johnson fight with the eye injury, you know, is how much is this going to damage his future? You know, Bellator was quick to say, don't worry. He'll be back soon making his debut. And it is relatively soon. Although obviously we all lament the Rumble Romero matchup and the fact that it was part of the tournament to kick it off. I mean, that would have been, there was some, some rightful just buzz around that. Um, I'm hoping Luke it's, it's much ado about nothing and we're staying quiet for a good reason. And you well can come out there, pass medicals, get into this fight and show us what he has in this portion this chapter of his career moving back up to light heavyweight still has the star value still has the expectations of violence and knockouts but can he fight at the elite level here in bellator um are you fearful luke of of something medical here something's just a little off for me i don't really know what it is and maybe it's just an unusual confluence of events bc where there really is no story there there is no there there i don't know i i legitimately do not know which end of the spectrum this belongs in. But this is what occurs to me. I didn't see any interviews for him. I'm like, dude, for, for his, like, there's no way he's not getting requests. He's just not fielding them. And that by itself is not uncommon either. But, you know, we saw him for that Bellator media day. He couldn't have been more jovial. So why wouldn't he want to do media? I don't know. Fighters have their reasons. But that is a little bit unusual, especially for the guy who's a little bit more of the gregarious sort, number one. Now, obviously, he will do some media as part of Fight Week this week, so maybe that all goes away. But I did find it curious, enough to the point where I texted his manager, Moki Kawa. I'm like, bro, where are all these interviews? You know, he didn't know either. He wasn't exactly sure what the reason is. I find that to be a little bit off and then uh, well, I, I think looked... it, play, it plays into the larger thing here Luke that you know the Rumble Romero buzz was just naturally euphoric it was like what the hell's this freak show of all-time great knockout artists gonna look like you know it's just gonna be a a, a beautiful disaster of of everything nobody it seems is talking enough about you know the challenge at stake here for Romero the fact that this is a very interesting technical matchup and just you know what's at stake from the standpoint of if Romero wins and looks great and this ends up looking like a you know a great free agent signing what can he bring to the promotion in terms of legit title contention mixed with with star value and must see quality it's it's very interesting i i hope it picks up the next few days but look this fight freaking rules and it ain't easy under any stretch of the imagination for Romero to make his debut with yeah and then the other part was i looked on his instagram page bc and some of these photos are old, and, and whatever problem he had, that there might be physical differences in the eyes doesn't necessarily mean a lot. But if you look, that the eyes have a different posture in the face. 
Um, one eye is just consistently more open and sort of more alert than the other. I, what does that mean? I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know. But I'll just say this. Between those sort of factors, how relevant they may be or not, and this other reality where, dude, he came out of the signing um, of the news that he was moving to Bellator with a ton of heat. Imagine that we have a situation where there's just not a lot of media. We don't know the state of his eyes. Enough to pass a commission test. That's fine. But, you know, long term, how much is there? You go and you fight Phil Davis. And let's say it's, you know, close, but he just sort of loses a relatively ho-hum decision. BC, does that pop the balloon in all of the grandeur that was Yoel going to Bellator? Especially when you add on top of that, he's reaching, he's close to his mid-40s at this point. I realize he's different, but there is that factor. That is, that's in play. That is legitimately in play. And that's why I wanted to sort of ask you today, Luke, about not just mentality, but strategy in here. Look, we know Romero's situation hasn't fought since right before the pandemic when he dropped that close split decision to Israel Adesanya for the UFC middleweight title. Uh, he'll be going back to light heavyweight for the first time since 2011 under the Strike Force banner on Showtime when he lost to, what was it, uh, Rafael Cavalcanti? Hasn't fought at 205. Mm, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Haven't fought at 205 since then. So, Luke, considering that he's in this weird predicament where he's lost three of his last four fights, of course, but all three were against supremely elite competition. I'm sorry, four of his last five. So he's lost four of the last five coming in. All four against the super elite in this game, and all four, you could make an argument that he did enough to win. Is it time for Yoel... To go YOLO at 205 now, different setup, different situation. He is still a freak of nature, so maybe at the higher weight, his speed, and he's a great boxer, will come into play. But, Luke, you can't have what you just mentioned. You can't have another boring performance, and again, it's hard to look good against Phil Davis, but you can't have another performance in which you lose a close decision and you say into the microphone afterwards, well, I thought I won, and you have hipster media guys like me going, hey, still don't think I've ever seen Yoel lose at this level. I mean, you have to change that narrative. And the way to do that, Luke, is to fight reckless and risky. And the thing about Yoel at this age is even though he's a freak of nature and his body is a wonderland and there's really no one else like him, it's hard to fight five full minutes of every round at that breakneck pace. Now, he did it against Paulo Costa in one of those just all-time great put-it-on-fight-pass-and-just-let-it-roll fights. Can he do that again? Can he be that fighter at this level? Or either can he be a, a an adjustment to that due to age where he fights in quick bursts and then has to rest? Luke, how do you see? How would you advise him if you're in your corner? Because I just don't think he's going to wrestle and take that chance of gassing out. He hasn't been a wrestler for forever in the MMA cage. He's a puncher. He's a counter striker. But you can't have another Adesanya fight. You just can't have it if you're Romero. You got to no, win, you and you got to turn heads because you're either in this game to compete for the light heavyweight championship, which is why you entered that tournament, or you're not. And the only way you're going to beat Nemkov, Rumble, and all these Bader, all these killers, is by being that knockout threat. And also, the other part about it is, is I mean, for me, what I'm focusing on is like these weird confluence of pre-fight events and like what happens to the Yoel Romero hype and the belief he has in any kind of you know medium-term future. 
if, if everything doesn't go his way. Conversely, if he's, you mentioned, you know, Phil Davis is a hard guy to look good against. That's a fact. Let's say Romero does, in fact, look good against him and gets some kind of sensational win. Dude, he's on, I mean, cloud number nine to, to the nth degree. It would be enormous, enormous for him. And I agree. Like, the part about him being not being a wrestler, it's sort of true. It's mostly true. It's not entirely true. Like, for example, he did wrestle to an extent Robert Whitaker, but like, dude, Fucking Phil Davis is a lot bigger, probably a shitload stronger, probably as pure wrestling goes, a lot better than Robert Whitaker. Maybe that's a little bit debatable, but at a bare minimum, dude, he's a huge person, well-muscled. That's no joke. If you had trouble, you know, you can take... Yoel's good at getting the takedown, but not good at keeping him there. How are you going to do that with a guy like Phil fucking Davis? Like, good luck with that. So to me, I think you're right, BC. There is a fucking metric ton of pressure on Yoel. How good are you still? Can you be good against the world's best, which I still count Phil Davis in, even if he's not necessarily the world's most exciting fighter, on a main event, up a weight class? That's the one thing here that I still think has gotten his benefit. He might be able to do a little bit more, BC, and give a little bit more because he's not cutting so much to get down to 185. He's going to stay at 205 where he is just as strong as he needs to be, but not as drained. But to your point, dude, the onus is going to be who is the responsibility on to make this fight something other than what it's you know what, what inertia would would ordinarily take it? It's on Yoel. Yeah. It's on Yoel because if Phil wants to sit behind the jab and the cross and L step his way around the whole time, he will, and if he will win Yoel, doing that. It's on Yoel. This is what happens. So two bad things happen to old fighters, Luke. One, their chin goes, and that's just the deal, right? Your reflex is slow, and your chin goes, and, you, and your punch resistance goes. Yoel's not there yet. The other thing that goes is the failure to to launch. Now, it's Woodley's failure to launch to close his UFC career was a little bit different. It seemed to be there was more mind-mental blocks. Yoel has a failure to launch at times because sometimes you get too selective in waiting for the perfect moment to open up, that perfect counter-strike opportunity when your opponent makes a mistake. But at the super, super elite level, Luke... You're not going to have a lot of those moments like Romero did to Weidman to shut off the lights or or, or even against Rockhold. Um, so if you're going to wait around for a guy like Phil Davis, it's just not going to be there. He He's more than willing to take you down the boring decision route. So I, I hope Yoel feels that understanding of pressure and knows that what is there for him by looking good. And Luke, you can, you can argue just the same here. He could lose but look really good and exciting and still benefit from this in terms of future yes. opportunities. Yes. In fact, there's a way to win nobly and then just blame Phil for however much you can blame him if the fight doesn't go his way. And, oh, he he was protecting himself and he wasn't doing this, that, and the other. There is a way. I just mean, I, for for <laughs> I think this is like a real crossroads fight for, for Yoel Romero. It doesn't necessarily have to be. But there are ways in which it very much could be, both depending on how he performs, what the outcome is, and what it says that he's been noticeably absent for a guy who is very much the life of the party. That stands out to me. I think it matters how it matters and what ways. We won't know until Saturday, but it's definitely in the front of my now, mind. Is part of you hoping that, you know, Phil Davis slips on a banana peel and we get like Yoel versus Melvin Manhoof and it's just buckle up, Luke? Is part of you hoping for that? I hope not. Well, I mean, here, like, this is what I mean. Here is the benefit of fighting a guy like Phil. It's that if you beat him, dude, no one can take that from you. Phil, for whatever else you want to say about him, is a physical specimen. He has not taken a ton of damage. 
He is well-trained. He is very experienced at this point. He's one of the best in the world. If you can beat him, dude, you are capable of doing many, many incredible things. And I think the future would be as bright you know, as it possibly could be, given the circumstances. The problem, this is why I asked you about it on Monday, the problem with this booking, to me, this is... I'm not going to say it's up there with Fader versus Tim Johnson in terms of head scratching. I don't think it's that. But it is a real risk because you could also have a situation, right? Equally possible, at least in theory, where Yoel goes out there, can't do shit to a guy who's very hard to do anything against, throws his hands up in frustration, the fans get bored, and they say, wow, here's another fight that didn't necessarily have to be this way that Bellator booked, and now you've kind of soured the beginning of the run for Yoel Romero when he's already out of the tournament. Why did you give him a guy who was a dark horse to win it who, by the way, is kind of boring? It, there's a yeah. lot of ways this could blow up in everyone's face too, and I think we all have to recognize That's that. That's the risk-reward. I mean, the reward... You come out there and you look fantastic. You might get a title shot. Now, that title shot will have to wait. We're going to see the semifinals of this tournament on October 16th. We're going to see the finals probably first quarter, right, or, you know, of, of uh, the next year. But you go out there and finish Phil Davis, you're probably going to get that title shot. So uh, yeah. risk to reward. Me, to me, BC, no TV. one's talking about it. Big fucking stakes on Saturday. Big. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go to topic number four if we can. Last night was a Tuesday night contender series. By the way, Lord Sanko. Michael Bisping and Dan Helley, great trio, did a great job with it. They have a new uh, ring announcer, uh, Justin, I forget his last name, but he did a great job as well. They finally made uh, Laura not have to do all the roles there. BC, there's a lot of names we could go through here. I don't know if you want to go through all of them. I certainly don't. But there were a couple that stood out to me that were just unbelievable. For me, like the star of the show last night, how about this kid, Albert Durayev? Durayev? <laughs> oh my God, dude. Here was a guy, uh, they explained, basically, he's been UFC ready for years. He had a contract dispute with ACB slash ACA. There was the pandemic. He's just been on ice for a while. This guy has been UFC ready quite literally for years. He took Betancourt to the effing woodshed and yeah. did it with ease in every position. And then, BC, you heard it, called out Adesanya, called out, or not Adesanya, excuse me, or maybe Adesanya, I forget, who, any top, he, Whitaker, he called out all the top 185ers. Vittori, Cannoneer. He basically called yeah. out all the heavy hitters, and he trains with Sean Strickland, so he's more than ready for, for that type of smoke. But, I mean, I mean, he's asking for all the smoke. Look, he's he's asking for uh, Stack 5, Jerry Stackhouse, your boy over there who plays the <laughs> basketball. He's asking for that level of smoke, all right? How, how, how was he your top star standout no, last night? No, the main the, the guy in the main event from Brazil, the light heavyweight. I'm going to – Almeida. What, it's, you know, the name is spelled – Jailton, but what is it? Hylton? I mean, you know I'm going to butcher this, Luke, right? You know Jailton, that, right? yeah. Honaldo. Uh, look, Almeida comes in there, and he's going up there against Nasruddin Nasruddinov, who it was interesting how they set up the video packages to open up. This was going to be the featured fight, the main event. Yet you had Almeida, the Brazilian, saying, I'm the guy who fights the Habib style if I need to. I can do everything. And Nasruddinov going, bro, I'm from the Schmesh factory. You're going to get this. No, Luke, the Brazilian Almeida made this fight easy. Luke, did you see that ta that double leg that he shot right in the beginning? It was sort of next level. His body's ready. Mindset-wise, he seems to be ready. And his technique to be able to scramble out of these positions, he got hit with some hard punches here from Nasruddinov, but was always able to flip the script back and then got that second-round takedown, takes him back. You see the choke right there. Luke, this was dominant. I think. Look, this was a six-fight card. Dana gave out five 
contracts afterwards to five of the six winners. We'll get to a second and the guy who didn't get the contract. But I thought Almeida was the one who looked most UFC ready today and looked the most dominant. And it was an emotional reaction from him, Luke. This was leveling up where I'm like, put him on a card tomorrow. I'm ready for this. He was, his musculature was, dare I say, Yoel Romero-like. I mean, I could not believe how fucking... I mean, look at this dude. He is out of control muscular. And to your point, he made smart decisions. He he wasn't just a built guy who like, oh, it looks good on a poster. No, no, he uses all of that very, very effectively. I agree. I had Darius as my number one and then Almeida as my number two, but I can't really argue with it. Almeida. But the, the key is you're in there against a wrestler who's coming in known for that wrestling, telling you what he's going to do, yet you're the one with the creative trips to constantly take him down. And anytime his opponent got the better position, it was like Almeida instantly could reverse it. This guy is a yeah. thinker in there, Luke, you know? And yep. uh, it looks great in a Speedo, I'm sure, even you know, yeah. if that's your cup of tea. But uh, he's, he's a beast. Luke, I want to hit that co-main because the only guy that didn't get the contract, you could argue coming in, had the best record and reputation and sort of prospect status and that was the bantamweight mo miller he gets a three-round unanimous decision over a tough brandon lewis luke i feel like dana and company may have erred unless they're trying to send a message to mo miller as they tend to do on this series brendan lochnan anyone that if you're not going for the finish 24 7 reckless video game spaz style we don't want you i don't think miller fought Overly safe. I thought he just was effective and controlled the action on the ground, had that advantage, stuck with it, was professional in getting the win, talked a good game afterwards, said, I can do better, but I, I knew I had the control. To see him not get the contract, when they threw a contract at that heavyweight winner, Luca Breski, I don't know if he sleeps with the fishes, Luke, but this guy looked okay. He didn't even look like he had the body of a heavyweight. Yeah, I I agree with you. He didn't look okay. Let me me pitch to you what I think they were thinking about Mo Miller. See what you think about this. I think part of it was that it wasn't as dominant as you might have imagined it to be reputationally. This guy came in with a big reputation, All-American. He was obviously stupid athletic. I mean, crazy athletic ability. But... And I will say, Brandon Lewis, you know, fighting from guard underneath, constantly going for triangles, constantly putting the feet in the hips, he didn't make it easy. But the takeaway that I had was, one, there there wasn't necessarily that ability to go to a final gear to really push the fight to finishing territory. And two, it probably came from the fact that he's still a little green. Still a little green. Very, very good. If you put him in the UFC, BC, could he win fights? Yes. But if you waited a little bit longer and he seasoned up a little bit more, how much further could he go by that point if he then went to the UFC? My hunch is it's the combination of the two. That's fair. That, that is that is fair. And it, it, maybe it plays into that Gable Stevenson con- conversation we had the other day where Dana's like, if we don't think you're ready. And by the way, Gable talked to Ariel again and, and by the way said that he had made the decision in his mind long before that that he was going back to school. So maybe there's something where the UFC sensed that, that he wasn't as serious as maybe he was putting out there publicly. But it, it, they're of the idea that, you know, when you're ready, that's when we'll sign you. Or if you fight like an animal, we'll sign you today. Those are the tri- right. That's the quickest way to date in his heart, Luke. We know that. And, and by the right. way, I forgot your boy, Darayev, the guy you were the most impressed with, I did like afterwards. It's an overused play after you get the win to go up to the fence and talk to Dana. I mean, it's basically like you have to do it now. But when he goes up there and is like, I, I smash all of them. Are you listening? Dana, Are you? do you hear me, Dana? I smash everybody. I'm just like, yeah, fuck, fuck, hey, yeah, yeah, right, bro. Like, like, do you think I could last a, 
an hour in the Smash Factory. I'm not even talking he, about on the why, mats. Why was I, why was derive Scottish with your accent? Uh, you know, I, I I do I I do have a Scottish last name, and when you take the French Canadian Lithuanian interest, it's it's a smorgasbord of uh, uh of love and art in there, Luke. But uh, I did uh, like that power move. Um, did were you moved at all by Jack Della Maddalena? That's a mouthful mid fight. But uh, here was a jacked welterweight with good, tough boxing. That was a good-ass win he had there against uh, the sparring partner of Kamaru Usman a few years back. Yeah. Yeah, That was a great fight, good testing ground. It went to the decision, but I thought, obviously, he got a little bit close there. I think it was the second round, almost got hit with the head and arm triangle. But but showed well-rounded ability, constantly pursued the fight, good on the feet. That was the other problem with Mo Miller. It's like... You could tell he was always looking for the takedown and wasn't really doing a lot on the feet to maybe advance his causes or as much as he could have. Not the case with Della Maddalena. I mean, he was out there going for it. And also, Jasmine Jazdavisius, however you pronounce her name, she was about it, about it too. Uh, yeah. Pretty goddamn impressive. The heavyweight one, we well, haven't she talked did, about. Hold on. She, she well, dude, got we're an a hour little... into the show. We've got to keep this moving. She is a, well, I mean, I'm not going anywhere, Luke. You got, what do you got? That, that's that's the pants? problem. That's what, do you the got problem. another job? I mean, come on. No, but um, we got to move this shit along. I, I thought that, that Polish chick put it on her a little bit in the third round, Luke. I thought there was a couple yes. holes she showed, but she yes. does, uh, you know, she's late to the game at age 32, so that was interesting. Luke, final bit on DWCS, the show rules. I, I said it last week, from an entertainment standpoint, it's really freaking good, and I didn't expect it to be this good. From the video packages to to the presentation, it's this is really good TV. I'm I'm down. I'm down. Uh, I I love it. I think they do a great job. I love how different it is. How similar it looks, yet how different it feels. Everything about it's cool. The only thing I'd say is the uh, how, how do you pronounce this Polish kid's name? Brzezewski or whatever it was. He didn't actually get a tap. They gave, they credited him with a third round rear naked choke. Dylan Potter didn't really tap, but he was well on his way to losing this fight. So it's like. It's unfortunate that it ended the way that it did, but... But he fought a late-minute replacement. He didn't look great. I don't even think he's physically a heavyweight. I think he's a light heavyweight. Look, I just... It was baffling that he got the contract. He looked like like a homeless man's uh, Yuri Prohatska, right? I mean, it just... It just had the had the taste and feel of a killer, but I didn't see it, you know? My feeling was, BC, that they were grading him on a heavyweight curve. So, take that for what it is, you know? How about uh, you all take right. that and rewind it back and get Mo Miller a contract? If I'm Bellator, PFL, anybody. If I'm Shatri and John Nash is wondering where, where he got that $400 million from, I'm calling Mo Miller tomorrow, all right? Fair enough. All right, some quick hitters here before we call it a day on this particular portion of the show. BC, Jan Blahovich says he would fight Yuri Prohachka, dot, 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 but only in Europe, not in the United States. Quote, Jan said to MMA Fighting, yeah, great run for him, talking about Prohachka. He's a crazy fighter, but in a good way. Crazy wild style, but he knows how to use it. But I believe that I will fight Glover and then maybe cover Teixeira. And then maybe in the future with Yuri, I will fight. But somewhere in Europe, if I have to fight with Yuri, we have to do this in Poland or somewhere in Europe because all of Europe would like to come and see this fight live. I hope I hope he's right because that would be awesome. It would be. And it's it's not likely or, or you know, maybe the maybe the the, the compromise is okay. We'll put it in London, but Luke, you know, they don't like to do that. You know, they'll put it in Abu Dhabi because the money's so good. They don't like to do that. It'd be great for the crowds, but I like that. Um, I like a, I like a fighter pushing back a little, trying to figure out what their leverage is, what their value is. I mean, did you check Luke Rockhold with Ariel Luke and and, and how much he was just talking shit about Venom and just kind of doing what fighters don't seem to do anymore, just run their mouth, right? About no, what about do you the say ball. about Venom? 
Yeah. Oh, he was like, he was like, you, you fucking telling me I, uh, I gotta wear this these shorts has a snake face on it? Like, what the fuck? He was just going off, dropping f bombs. It almost made him likable again, Luke. I'm sure the UFC brass loved that. Oh, I'm sure that you know, I'm sure nothing will change, right? Because it's just him and he's on his way out, more or less. But uh, yeah, I didn't see that uh, same. Uh, I didn't see that same energy when uh, the millionaire matchmaker called him out, though. I didn't see that same energy coming back, you know. Fair when point. Patty, when Patty was like, "Listen, you player, right?" Patty Stanger, remember? Yeah, and called him a hottie patati. Remember that? Oh yeah, she she got underneath the uh, the the jab on that one. Uh, uh, BC Nate Diaz has responded to a call out from Vicente Luque. Now to the producers back uh, in the the uh, Orchids of Combat or whatever the hell we're calling that thing. You guys have this tweet right uh, from Vicente Luque or the video anyway where he mentions why he would be a great candidate for the Nate Diaz sweepstakes. And as they pull this up, I will tell you, BC, his logic to me is pretty unassailable. What he basically says is, yeah, I'm not going to win this like talking. I don't think I'm that guy. But if you want an action fight, I'll be your Huckleberry. Do we have that or no? Sound like me, no. Nate is a fighter, yeah, and fighters it. fight. And I'm the kind of fighter that... Man, I'm going to put on an exciting fight no matter who it is. So, Nate wants a big fight. I'm not going to sell it by talking, but I'm definitely going to sell it by fighting. He knows and everybody knows I'm going to step in there and I'm going to try to take his head off. Even if he tries to take my head off, I'm going to keep on pushing. So, if the UFC wants an exciting fight, if Nate wants to be in an exciting fight, I'm the name. I'm the guy, you know, and, and I'm with BC is he is he in any way, shape, or form wrong? Doesn't seem like he is to me. No, no, he's not wrong. I just don't know what what Nate gets from this fight and why he I, would I have be a interested. theory. So, well, is your theory linked to the idea that Nate has what are we hearing two or three fights left on the deal? That Nate's deal could be that Nate's just like let me do this deal as quick as I possibly can so I can get get that boxing money. Is that your thoughts on this? And let could me at least put myself. It? in there with bangers so i'm not gonna get you know i don't know could be part of it but to me it says a lot that one he's not calling out a lightweight opponent or not calling out but he's not entertaining it seems a lightweight opponent he's entertaining a welterweight opponent and we went over this we're like why the hell is he fighting leon edwards and blah 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 well his team basically uh, this is an oversimplification but i think there's a lot of people on his team that felt like if you're going to fight at, at welterweight and you can get a win over leon edwards which at least in theory was winnable on some level uh, that would put you right for the title sweepstakes or at the very, very front of the pack. I think they're trying to go back to the well again on that same logic. Vicente Luque, I think, is going to do bad things to Nate Diaz personally. But if you had to pick someone in that top five space, probably the best you could come up with for Nate Diaz having a chance is against Vicente Luque because True. while he dishes out punishment, BC, he does tend to take some, and we know how durable and whatnot Nate Diaz I mean, can be. I don't know. I, I feel like Nate's best. Do you know how many fights he has left? Do you actually know? I don't know. I wish we had. I wish this was all public info at all times. It would really help, uh, you know, being a pundit and breaking the shit down. But you do hear that it's up next year. So I wonder if, you know, he's thinking, okay, my big money fight is the trilogy with Connor. So let me stay busy against bangers. Let me try to stay active. Let me get out of this deal and put the leverage back in my situation. And maybe he gets that. Connor comeback fight, you know, in, in early next year. And 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 I would like to see late 30s Nate with a little more leverage and whether it's getting a Jake Paul or, or whether it's something different, Luke. I, I'd like to see what he can do with that. 
Because I don't think that, I mean, outside of the Connor trilogy, I don't know, Luke. I, I, I don't see the I don't see the Poirier title fight for Nate at one fifty five happening. Also, just go to your see head. The who, who wins? BC. <laughs> I think you've cut me off every single sentence today. Who do yeah. you favor in a Nate Diaz versus Vicente Luque fight? You got to favor Luque at this size, but to your point, he is a little bit one note in that he's he's coming forward. He's coming at you. So if you're Nate and you're going to try to take this guy into deep waters and see if he's a real or like if he's really about that. You know, we know he's you know he's coming at you, but 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 can he can he take the this level of 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 give and take? There's a win. Nate can win this fight, but I think any elite guy it'd be hard to fate it'd be hard to favor Nate over any elite at lightweight or welterweight at this point, Luke. You can you give right. him the veteran soldier respect as the B-side in any of them, but it really would be hard to favor him. I think that's right. All right, BC. Well, the reins quick, are yours, good sir. Do you care, Luke, about Teofimo Lopez Jr., that last Friday's ESPN card? He said, after this Cambosos fight, which is Monday, October 4th, and by the way, Triller raised their pay-per-view price from $20 now to $50 for that, Luke. And Triller also, you, you sent me the link to the Kevin Ioli column. Triller's got a new... Uh, what's the guy's name? Thurston Meyer, something like that. The guy, the guy's respected in boxing circles. He's like their new matchmaker. He says Triller now looking to get out of the exhibition old guy business and go good fights only. We'll see if that happens. But Teo says I'm done at 135. I don't need to offer Lomachenko a rematch. It does nothing for me. You know, I want to move up to 140 and fight Josh Taylor for all four belts. So while I think we like the latter half of that equation, if that's what Teo feels. Luke, I don't like the specific quotes he gave the ESPN broadcast where he said, I did everything at 135. Luke, I hate calling out Tail because you know I love this guy, and I've been interviewing him since, like, day one, before day one-ish. Dude, all the young stars right now are at lightweight. I'm not saying the fights are easy to make. You did everything? You didn't fight Gervonta. You didn't fight Ryan Garcia. You didn't fight Devin Haney. So, like... You beat Lomachenko in a great fight, but a close fight. It just so happened that Loma had all the belts, not counting Devin Haney's WBC, all the shenanigans with the super champion. I, I don't like that statement. I don't know if, if this is money and coolness and public leveraging and, and neg public negotiation and swagger, but come on, Teo. Get back on the right side of, of, of the war here, right? The one thing I would say is when he says if he lost to Lomachenko, he would not be afforded a rematch. That sounds right to me. I, no? I don't know. He He's a growing brand for top rank. I, you know, I think if he had lost to Lomachenko in that first fight, you know, and, and looked good in defeat, I think they'd go out of their way to push Loma back into it. And if Loma had beat him, unless it was a situation where Loma beat him by the skin of his teeth, you know, after multiple knockdowns, you would think Loma would look around and say, that's eh, probably my biggest money fight in terms of what's easiest to make in-house. I think he would have gotten it. I don't like this stance so much. You know what hmm. I'm saying? I, it's one thing to say I'm the ace side against all these other guys. You want to do that posturing, that's fine. But to just be like, oh, I've already accomplished everything here. I'm moving up. Not. Yeah, nah. that's wrong. Nah, that's, yeah. That, that, yeah, that's objectively not true. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. fair all enough. Right. Okay, sir. Uh, all right, Luke, Take it away. It's been a long time since we've rock and rolled. But you know the premise. Some Wednesdays we do this. Sometimes Luke doesn't want to answer certain questions. But he doesn't want certain topics in the runtime because he's in old bitch but luke we've created a segment in which i have a wheel and i've got 10 categories and it's five spins five good faith responses to decently faith questions we call this the wheel of death 
Wheel of D-Bags. Yes, Luke, it's time to spin the black circle. Are you ready for your 10 categories? Yep. Here we there's go. Really, there's like five categories since the other ones are just made up and I never get to go to them. But Luke, okay. you you get what you get. If you land on them, it, it, you get them, okay? There's no there's no uh, bait and switch here. There's no three-card Monty. I got I got 10 ready for you. Here's your categories this week. Swipe right for straw weights. <laughs> you know I'd like to. <laughs> You're in luck. Heels for feels. P.F. Chang A.F. Oh, God. Taller than Rogan. Crosby, Stills, and B.D.E. Hoppa's prenup. My favorite Olsen twin. T.R.T. Lorenzo style. And finally, Luke, Libyan nationalists. And no, oh, I'm not Jesus. talking about CBS Sports HQ's Hakeem Dermish. Luke, the first Libyan-born North African to ever host SportsCenter, by the way. Just, just a heads up on that. A little history right. maker right there. Good to know. All right, spin that shit, Luke. Let's do this. We're back. We're back, baby. This is going to suck. Yeah, yeah, for you, yeah. Of course. I mean, let me guess. Some dumbass question about Ariel you want me to answer? Wow. Wow. What what does heels for feels have anything to do with Ariel, Luke? The Disney calling himself heel wanny or something like that. Oh, he is. You're right. You're right. All right. Well, let's see what we got here. I'll tell you straight up, Luke, you're not going to like this question, mostly because you hate pro wrestling and whether it's surprising to you or not. I respect that. But you don't respect that at all I do because every five years or so I, too, end up hating pro wrestling and I go away for a little bit and then it pulls me back in because I'm infected with the drug, Luke. Okay, but let's get back to it. But to act like there isn't a shit ton of WWE and pro wrestling influence in the way Dana White and UFC have so brilliantly marketed and promoted MMA over the last 20 years, Luke, it would be a blatant lie, correct? Yes. Fans simply care more about fights when they have an emotional investment and a reason to watch. Sometimes the substance of that emotional investment can be secretly manufactured by creating a hero and a villain. Half the time, given human nature, those roles, though, develop naturally. Other times, Dana and company, you know, they they shape them based on if a fighter's marketable or not. Sometimes fighters are savvy enough, Luke, to play their own character and cultivate this. But either way, it's there. It's Pro Wrestling 101, and everyone from Ali to Floyd to Conor and Brock have done so effectively, playing the heel, which is a bad guy in pro wrestling, or playing the babyface, the good guy. So, given that unavoidable reality, Luke, name for me the top five UFC fighters who currently play the best role in modern MMA of both the good guy, the babyface, and the bad guy, the heel, in how they carry themselves, how they self-promote themselves, and how they are presented in terms of the fighter of fans clicking by on the pay-per-views, Luke. Who are the best good guys and the best bad guys in MMA promotion today? Now, when you say good guys, help me understand something. There are guys who play the good guy role and people still don't care about them. And then there are guys who play the good guy role. And because they play the good guy role in the way that they do that, they sell more. Is that what the, that, that's the argument? Yeah, right? but you don't have to. You could put good guys on there who don't sell. Basically, who's the best at playing the quote unquote the wrestling good guy. good guy in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of promotion and who's the best bad guys today? Good guys. Obviously, you got to start with Wonder Boy. I think that's easy. Um, I think over time it has become a case where Dustin Poirier would be one of your good guys. Good, good call. For sure. Good call there. Yes. Um, you know, with all the charity stuff and the Good Fight Foundation being just so part of what he does and like, you know, making everything about character. That's a big one. 
Um, you know, Valentina Shevchenko to an extent, I think. Good. Oh, I like that. Um, yes. Now, even though uh, he's retired, would you say DC has, has has evolved from a heel at some at one point in his career to being one of the biggest baby faces in this in this era? Same with Michael Bisping. Both of them went from a place where they were initially kind of despised to beloved. So I think that plays a role. Um, so those will be some names on that side. I'm sure there's many more you could pick. Stipe, bro. Stipe is the other answer you're looking Stipe for. Stipe is a good, great answer, totally. On the other side, it's easy. I mean, you could start with Colby. You could argue how effective it is, but it's just so obvious. Connor, I think, has moved into that role, candidly. Yep. Um, uh, let's see. Who else? John Jones, for yes. sure. Yes. Now, Luke, would you argue that both Diaz brothers are in that sort of stone-cold gray area where they act like heels, but they're praised as baby faces? Yes. Uh, 10,000 total anti-heroes. I mean, you couldn't pick two better guys for that role. I'm trying to think who else has like, really made themselves. I mean, Josh Koscik back in the day was, was loathed to a pretty uh, strong degree. Sean Strickland um, is trying to be a heel here. Sean Strickland's getting into that a little bit as well. Chael played both sides at times. Um, depending on who the audience was. Um, Ioana so yeah, a heel to, to the other girls, right? The other females. Yeah. Champion. Yeah. Not so much to the fan base though, but yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. You so, can counter. See, Luke, that was a pro wrestling question. That was painless, right? Painless is a strong word. Pain, the word painless is doing a lot of work there in that sentence. Okay. Okay. Luke. Well, Hey, let's see what you get next. You get what you get. Spin number two coming your way. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Oh, wow. Look at the luck you got, Luke. This is what the people came to hear, Luke, okay? P.F. Chang as fuck. Here we go. Luke, I know two things about the last few weeks in MMA media wars. One, we all felt helpless watching the steady beef play out between Ariel Hawani and Brendan Schaub. And two, it puts you personally in a precarious spot. Doesn't do shit to me. Because you are friends and sometimes colleagues with both. And fans expect you to pick a side and talk about it publicly and declare a winner. But that's just not your style. And again, Luke, I respect that. So I'm not going to put you in that type of awkward position. But I will use this to transition to something we can't ignore. Whether it's your repairing your beef with independent Hiwani or Brendan cooking up the sirloin for his own good, MMA fans care about the soap opera side of this bullshit. And Luke, they care a lot. In fact, everything from your live chat a couple of weeks ago to Ariel's retooled MMA hour to Ariel's appearance on Pat McAfee's show to even be below the bell, if you check the headlines, it seems like people have been capitalizing on this of late, this beef, and people wanted to hear about it and putting it in the headlines and all these videos, they're firing up right now, okay? In the case of Ariel and Brendan, a ton of it is largely overblown, mostly because there's no payoff at the end of this program. It's great that they're going back and forth, Luke, but they ain't meeting in the octagon or inside a Triller boxing ring 
any time soon to settle their grudge. But considering how much people care, imagine a scenario in which Showtime Digital came to you and they said, look, we're going to be as shameless as anyone in this game. We want to take advantage of the clicks. People care about journalist beefs or fighter and journalist beefs or promoter and journalist and fighter beefs. And they said, Luke, we need you to brainstorm ways in which these type of things can be monetized and publicized while also declaring a winner in the end. What's your incentive? We will double your salary for the remainder of your contract if you can help make this a winner. So, Luke, that seems to be enough to get you off of your, you know, soapbox. And let's say after a brainstorm session to create a name for this spinoff show, you and I decide it's going to be called Hot Beef Injection. Showtime also lets you know they have major sponsorships lined up. So everyone involved has a chance to benefit from this. So congratulations, Luke. You're the executive producer of Hot Beef Injection, and I'm the host. And we will both make twice the money we've been talking about. And whether it's merely a televised debate or some kind of crazy family double dare meets American Gladiators, pitch to me a creative way in which beasts of this kind involving journalists, promoters, or fighters can be settled that will satisfy the gossip-loving fans who provide the big ratings and get us all filthy rich without anyone getting physical. I don't fucking know, and I don't care. Luke, they how, offered you a chance to, to double your salary. You're the executive I, producer of I Hot give, Beef Injection. Uh, first of all, I'm not working on any show called Hot Beef Injection, okay? Number one. Are you, Luke? I <laughs> you bet you fucking... you got a price for the million-dollar man, okay? I bet you you do, all right? I probably do. It's not one that Showtime's going to pay or CBS Sports is going to pay for sure. Dude, I don't give a fuck about any of this stuff. This stuff about like beefs and like using it. Dude, this is what I know YouTube is built around this, for example. Like all these fitness influencers like going after each other, like Vegan Gains goes after people all the time and vice versa. And then they have debates and they use it for like, you know, raising their profile. Dude, I'm not, I'm not even interested in that even at all. Like that's so not. What I want to do with my life. Uh, I would fucking quit before I did anything like this. No chance. Okay, well, Luke, let's say you couldn't, okay? Let's say <laughs> let's say you had to pay the bills. You you needed this money, okay? Let's say you had a pending lawsuit and a big fine to pay for something back in the day that came to light, okay? Okay? <laughs> okay, coach? Okay. Uh, um, I don't know. I'd have, I'd have Brendan and Ariel take turns farting in your CPAP machine at night until you vomited in it. I don't know. I don't know. Luke, what would we do? Know. How do we settle these beefs that can't be settled the old-fashioned way, Luke? Fighting or fucking. That's what we do. I don't know. I mean, I'm not answering this. I don't, like, you're asking me, like, you know, Luke, how many angels do fit on the head of a pin? I don't, I, 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 this is a nonsensical question that I couldn't possibly offer an answer to. I mean, Luke. bets, uh, physical challenges, bang each other's wives. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. I don't know, but I don't care. Okay. Wow. So I guess this is a bad faith response to a you know a moderately faith question, Luke. It's not even moderately good faith. It's just idiotic. What's the next I think one? we're leaving money on the table. I mean, look at you got you got hot ones. The the wing eating competition that that's that's a great you know we could do something in that vein if you want, Luke. Uh, we can get Poirier's hot sauce as a, a sponsor and make Ariel and Brendan just go wing for wing. Bubba, you into this? And what and what does that settle? It gets clicks, Luke. That's the point. You want to double your salary or not? I don't care about that shit. You covered Jake Paul. You don't have a soul anymore, all. okay? All right? At all. 
Wow. That's a that's a punt, folks. Okay, it was it was fourth yeah, and listen, one. Yeah, listen, listen. Not every down is a touchdown. Sometimes it was you just fourth and punt. one on your side of the field too. But nope, that's a punt. Okay, it seemed, it seemed more like third and thirty, and I just said, "Fuck it, let's go." Ah, uh, well, the people know. The people know. Let's see, Luke. Maybe maybe you'll give up the rest of these three spins. Let's see what we got here. God, that question was so long. It was so good though, right? It really made you think. Not really. Oh, hey, All right. Luke. Hey, Luke, from Cream to Blind Faith, CSNY and the Traveling Wilburys to Monsters of Folk. Hey, hold on. And- time out for just a second. Could my family talk louder during my show? I wonder. People people genuinely. can't hear your neighbor doing the lawn, Luke, so no use getting so mad at him. He don't care about MK. All right? All right. All right. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. You know, from Monsters of Folk to Audio Slave, Luke, I've always been obsessed by rock and roll supergroups including everything from their chemistry, considering the alpha personalities merging together to the content they create. In a sense, Luke, you can argue that you and I at MK are a supergroup of combat sports personalities who are paired together for this experiment. And right now it's working. We'll see if it lasts after today, though. Even though I've always been upfront that I secretly pushed the show toward being more sitcom than fight talk show, I've also at times thought of us in terms of being an actual rock band. The live shows we do three times a week are like our concerts, Luke. The few times a year that we travel on location and do live shows in front of the people, that's like headlining a festival. And the documentaries we put out quarterly, they're the closest thing to a new album, Luke. You get what I'm saying here? So using that as a reference point by imagining for a minute that MK is not a show, it's a band. Answer these questions the best you can to make the comparison work. Question one, Luke, which instruments would each of us and the various members of our extended MK team play in this band based on our styles and personalities? So what would I play? What would you play? Who else is in the band? Uh, you know, we got Gaff and, and, and Jay Aaron, you know, we got Manich. Oh. We got, uh, you know. All right, so. Showtime's our record label. Yeah, for sure, I'd play bass, for sure. Okay, but Luke, are, wait, are we, we're probably co-songwriters, right? We're like Lennon McCartney of this. Of yeah, this that's morning. probably fine. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a, you're going to be bass? You know, a little more like Flea where it's up front and, you know, okay. the bass plays a prominent role. But yeah, bass. Okay. I think you're probably playing the cowbell. I think um, I'm the front, well, Luke, first of all, I'm the front man. Let's be honest here, okay? You're definitely not the front I man I mean, you could be all. Eddie Van Halen or, 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 you know, whomever you want, but I'll be I was going to give you, oh, I was going to give you lead guitar. That's what I was going to give you. Okay, like, you're the guy okay, who I mean, jams. I'll, I'll take that shit, Luke, okay? All right, see, see I'm being fair. I'm being fair. Um, drums. Not Jay, because he would just miss it and then blame everybody else. I could see Gaff. Uh, I could see Gaff just, you know. Gaff on drums works. Uh, Corey would be on, like, you know, keys. keyboard. I feel keyboard. like he's got keyboard in him. Yep, you know, yep. He'd be doing uh, our soulful ballads for the teens. Yeah, they'd be loving that shit. They'd be getting sappy and. and uh, what's Matt Snyder doing? He's our uh, he's our manager, right? He's the guy. Fair. Like he's he's Tom Hanks from that thing you do, right? You know what I'm saying? And what is and Jay is our what is Jay our groupie? So That's is sad. Jay is Jay going to be a like our alternate singer, like our rhythm guitarist slash sometimes singer, or is he like? He no, dude, he's the roadie who just hauls the boxes. Okay, okay. Uh, question two, Luke. How would we collectively dress on stage? What would be our image? Ooh. Um, you would wear something where your crotch would be set on fire on purpose. 
Who was the guy who had like the buzzsaw cup on his crotch? Do you remember that? It was like uh, somebody from Kiss or something? Probably. Oh, who had like the sparklers coming out of their dong? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you. That's you because you can't go five seconds without being like dick and balls. You'd uh, probably be wearing a metal shirt with your giant ass evil bass, like the black one with the devil horns on the bottom. Yeah. yeah. And, and the bass itself would also look fucking cool as shit, you know? Um, I don't know what style of music we'd be, though, Luke. We'd have to be some type of hard 90s rock, rock fusion. 90s rock. Okay, I'll do I'll do alt rock. I'll do hard alt rock. rock with that you. Way you. I feel like you could bring in you could bring in a lot of other elements with 90s rock. You could go a lot of different directions with it and okay. we can you know we could play the levels. This is a heck of a super um, group. And Luke, what's our um, you know, cover of the Rolling Stone moment in in terms of this show in real life? Have we hit it what yet? What do you mean? You know, what's our sort of mountaintop moment? Are we there yet? Have we yet to hit it yet for this band we call Morning Combat? Oh, no, we're not even close. Okay, good. Because I was, you know, my final question was going to be how close are you to your first solo record and the inevitable breakup of the super group, Luke? <laughs> not close enough, but, you know. Pretty, pretty close if you check your solo channel. Yeah, we're, we're there. We're there. All right, Luke, another failed question. We got two more. Maybe we'll never see this segment again. You know, some of that's on me, it, a lot it, of that's on It works on me. in person. You should have saved it for next week, but what are you going to do? Spin. Right. Two, two left, Luke. We'll see what happens. God, it's taking forever. So good, though, right? So good. Ugh. Piss hey. Okay. Hey, Luke, the state of current PD use within combat sports is only made more difficult to understand by the frustrating state of drug testing, which spans the gamut of incomplete, incompetent, and even ignoramus, if you will. I'm sure you will. The users and designers are often smarter than the testers, and in many cases, entire testing programs appear to be nothing more than insurance at best or window dressing at worst. It's theater of the highest and grossest regard. But what if I told you I've created a proprietary and sophisticated technology which allows you to simply scan my new PED radar gun in front of your TV screen during any fight of your choice and... It can list down to the type of sugar that was used in their coffee, exactly what's in their bloodstream at the time of the fight and what remnants or picograms remain from what they used during training camp. So to satisfy your curiosity, Luke, regarding PED use, I will loan you this accurate yet potentially dangerous firearm. Maybe we can call it the love weapon. Shout out to that band that died. Um, and Luke... While watching any boxing or MMA fight of your choice throughout history, you can point the love weapon at the screen and get the truth. The only catch is that because the gun is potentially dangerous and liable, yet insanely accurate, you only get three pulls of the trigger before it self-destructs and erases all the results. Which three fights across boxing or MMA history would you be most interested in knowing the truth of exactly what both fighters were on or weren't on. I'd be curious to go back to the UFC golden age, so to speak, you know, uh, post tough pre 2010. So like everything from after tough to uh, UFC 100, basically. So like, for example, that. Anderson Silva versus Dan Henderson for the UFC middleweight title. Right. Or how about St. Pierre versus Hughes too? Right. There's another okay. one where I would just love to know what the answer is there, because I have a feeling that, you know, who the hell knows what the truth is, to your point. I have a feeling that most of what made the UFC golden age, not most of it, but a big part of it was that 
people who we lionize as heroes were probably on something the whole time. But, of course, I don't know that, and I cannot prove that. Um, and, of course, it could be proof that, in fact, I'm totally wrong, that my theory about the Golden Age is, you know, there might be some truth to what happened in Pride, and even UFC to a degree, but somewhat overstated. So I go that direction. Uh, I do Lesnar versus Carwin. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, you got to I think I, already, right? I can already give you the answers to that, Luke. It's a but, but, but I, I would be curious and... to know, like, exactly, right? And then what's a, what's a boxing match? I would just I, I'll tell you what love. one I'd like to see. Because this is the first time we're this is one of the, not the first one of many times where Floyd just blew me away. Thirty six year old Floyd against Canelo in twenty thirteen. I'd sure. like to just I'd just like to make sure, Luke. Okay. Sure, both of them. Sure, you know that'd be cool. Yeah, that's about, a great call. I love that call. Uh, and I and it's and while it's interesting, and I agree with you that you'd like to take it back in time. You only get three 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 pulls of the love gun, by the way. But uh, you know, it's while I'd like to take it back in time. And even go back to like the '80s and see, you know, are we are we naive to what was happening? I just as much like to do it today when there is so-called established drug testing, and just be sure, Luke, that some of our suspicions are real. I just got a tweet from someone saying, "Please end this now." Just Luke, it's probably one, you know, one oddball fan. It's probably who is it? Uh, the the uh, the snarky ginger, Luke? No, some dude named Dave. All right, Dave. Well, Dave, we get one more, okay? All right, one more. Spin. Oh, boy. You know, you try to do something nice for the community. You know, you try to improve the show, and this is what happened. Oh, this ought to be terrible. Uh, No, Luke. Libyan nationalist is not a category about your dad's day job when you were a child. It's a reference to the men who provided the plutonium in Back to the Future, which allowed Marty and Doc Brown to travel back to 1955 and change the course of history forever in the lives of them and everyone they know by setting up a scenario in which George McFly could go from zero to hero by rescuing that drunk floozy Lorraine Baines from the arms of Biff Tannen. We don't need a documentary from Jay Aaron to know what happened next. In many ways, Luke, we all wish we could go back to the key moments in our past and maybe have said something or maybe had done something different that might make our life today easier or in some cases, wealthier, Luke, right? Forget for a moment about Jay Aaron. I already mentioned that. Also forget that Michael J. Fox was like five foot three and never would have had a chance at banging prime Elizabeth Shue, okay? That's a debate for another day, of course. This question allows you a fictional chance to go back to one of three key points in your life, either the first day of your senior year in high school, the last day of your college life when you graduated, or the day you got married nine years ago today, offering in each case seven days of living in your old life, but with the knowledge you have today in an attempt to hopefully change one aspect or situation in your life that would positively change the way you live today. Please keep in mind that every change has a ripple effect that could be positive or negative, Luke, depending on how extreme. The only rules are that you couldn't use any of the knowledge to make any bets or stock plays. And at the end could of the I seven- go back to the beginning of the show and then take this segment out? <laughs> and after the seven days, Luke, you'd return to your life now and all changes will have been retroactively done. Yes. Luke, which of those three moments would you travel back and what would you do in that week to change? Well, uh, I'd probably do the beginning of senior year of high school um, because if there has been one problem that plagued me, not anymore, 
but for a long time it was my cutting of corners in life so for example um i ended up doing things that i wanted to by and large but i ended up having a much harder time getting there than it needed to be because like for example in high school I decided, oh, I don't, I mean, I didn't have bad grades by any stretch of the imagination, but I did not have exemplary grades. I just did not do homework and, you know, just kind of winged it a lot, except when it came time for tests. And then I would do really, really well on tests and be like, oh, this should carry me through all of my various opportunities. But two things happened. One, there were some doors that were slammed in my face as a consequence of that, that I did not expect that ended up having a pretty profound effect. And the other part was it just, it just it made me have a lot of bad habits for a really long time. Not even just about academic work, but about anything. Oh, I don't need to do X because I can cut the corner with Y. I don't have to go and face this kind of a challenge because I can do something a little bit different and I can more or less get there. And listen, we all want to work smarter and not harder. That part is obvious. But there are some times in life when the way to fix a problem is not to go around or under or on top of the fire. It is to go right through it. And you have to kind of face that reality a little bit, depending on what the circumstance may be. Getting to go back to the beginning of senior year and understanding what may have been necessary for buckling down academically and then putting all of those practices into play for the senior year, through college, through the beginning of my life after that, I wouldn't change any one thing, like I'm going to flip this knob or that one, but I really regret not getting a hold of that earlier in life. Look, that's the most boring answer unexciting speaking of it's knobs, actually something i think about all the time speaking I'm of knobs serious. you had seven days to go back on uh, after 30 years of 25 years of thinking about chicks you could have banged that you that you were too afraid of or you said the wrong thing or you didn't realize at the time they were into you i'm giving you a seven day hall pass at like age 18 you're like well i'd like to fix my study habits luke this yeah. this segment can't work anymore because of you okay Dude, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, what, listen, what are we doing on, I here? Ser- I, I'm, you want me to be serious for a moment? I'll be serious for a moment, and I'm not doing a bit. Are there, BC, are you asking me, are there times in my life where I've been, I mean, fourth and in inches, not even, you know, <laughs> like right there at the goal line, and all I had to do was a quarterback sneak, and I got stopped at the goal line because I yes. fumbled? Yes. Buddy, I can't tell you how many times that has happened in in ways that would be like comically embarrassing. Mind nubbing, yes, I've had mind nubbing, like yes. to the point where you would mercilessly mock me the rest of my life. My red zone offense, of Luke, is 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 Washington football oh, team like. It was the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. But if you're if I'm being if I'm being serious with you, and I'm honestly trying to, you want a good faith answer. That is something that has haunted me a little bit. Like truly, I mean, it, it has haunted me that I like doing homework is not about doing homework. It's about developing good practices in life that you can then apply to other things. And I was always mentally looking to cut corners until I learned that that's not the way to live. And dude, I lost out on a lot of shit that could have gone my way. And I really regret it. I really, truly, meaningfully regret it. And I wish I could fix that. All right. That was, that was decently good faith, Luke. Uh, but yes. Death have there been a couple times where it was like a layup and I was just like, Hi, I'm a fucking idiot. Yes, yeah. I have. I mean, a million of those. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, Luke, we'll see what the people say. If if uh, if Super Dave on Twitter thinks this segment sucks because you're uninterested, then, you know, maybe it does, Luke. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. Jason Hartley. Jason Hartley is a great man, and he is from MMA On Point, and he says, Screw that Dave guy. I enjoy the segment. But then there's another guy, Admiral Anthony, who is waiting for you to finish this segment. Yeah. Yeah. Well. 
Maybe we'll get a let's, BC let's do fan subs solo get out here. show where it's just, you know, wheel of fans or something. Maybe we'll satisfy all those. Hey, look, speaking of fans and, and, and art, right? Have you heard anything about Doc 5 coming together? Because I've been in talks with uh, Less Than Jake, our documentarian, and you and I could be seeing a rough draft of this Doc 5 by the end of this week, which means early next week, Doc 5 is, is, launch, is ready to launch. I've spent Luke, more time thinking about where I'm going to defecate after the show than I have Doc 5. Luke, I've been told that this, uh, you know, this is our, our most serious, introspective, hardest-hitting Doc. And How uh, much of my personal life do you prostitute for clicks? I've been, I've been made, I've been prepared to, uh, that, you know, this could get difficult for me watching it back. So we'll see what, we'll see what they did with those, with that footage. There's a zinger I have in there that you, I'm going to bring you to your fucking knees with that one. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Yeah. You'll see. All right. You'll see. Uh, that's that shit for this week. Uh, morning combat at gmail.com. Of course, is your trusty, please folks. If you got fan subs, if you've got dead wrongs don't don't dm me them send them to this email address mikey morms will handle it uh efficiently and uh uh that's the email address to send your shit and every wednesday at this time we've got mail let's do it as my daughter yells in the room over all right dino that's luke's nickname right dino e sliding in. yes that's true they used to call me that in jujitsu it's true uh what's up Bubba's been a fan since Luke was just a guest on the MMA beat. Anyway, the merch is some high quality stuff. I'm really picky about workout clothes, and he's rocking a merch 1.0 shirt. This is soft and comfortable, truly Netflix merch. If you don't have them already, go buy some. And it helped me gadoosh a PR snatch. Yeah. Uh, Axe J, keep up the good work uh, on Morning Combat. Huge Brendan Schaub fan, this guy Dino. Luke, how's his form? Can we blow this up, please? It's pretty good. I mean, he's no Olympic lifter, but it's pretty good. Is it Don Jr. level or is it? Is it... That's it's almost no 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 way. This is dude. The snatch is maybe the most difficult lift from a technical perspective. Let's see. Doesn't get a whole lot of contact with the hips to get uh, under the bar, but other than that, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Look, is it? Do you have to fear? Honest question. Do you have to fear shitting your pants on that movement when you when it when it all falls back on you and you're squeezing tight? Dude. I don't know who hurt you and damaged your brain to the point where it's only capable of processing life through dick and Luke, ball and ass we're, jokes, we're watching but... a we're watching a grown man do something called a snatch and you're getting on me for asking a legitimate question really is that a legitimate question hey how many times you got to shit when you do this that that's is that your is that, is that your Luke legitimate at question 1241 but at 1246 Luke's gonna be like I gotta I gotta shit guys I gotta go I gotta go all right yeah, listen, you know you know how you avoid having to take a dump in the snatch? Just take a dump before you work out. You know go. how you avoid having to ruin our show by ha having to take a dump, Luke? Take a dump right beforehand, all right? Uh, oh, wait, you do that too. Great stuff. All right, Daniel K. sliding in. Hey, fellas, my best bud and housemate, Sean, on the right, and fellow donk, purchased possibly the greatest gift a man could want for my birthday. I just started a new job in insurance sales, so this mug will be my mecca. Amazing content. Been watching since the beat. Also, I love Cannibal Corpse, so get your tits out for the lads, Mr. Thomas. Love from Danny and Sean in Ireland. And P.S. My dog Norman wanted in the picture. He wants some dog MK merch. Can we zoom in on these two Ooh. heterosexual males here? Boy, I mean, look at these two apex predators. Wow. <laughs> First of all, love the support. Uh, is it, are they playing Fortnite in the back, or is that their... Uh, 
Is that, I don't know. No, um, dude, are they watching fucking Darcy and Stacy on whatever uh, Paramount? Not Paramount. Is it Paramount Plus? I don't know. Manich, can we go it. back into this? There's a lot to look at here from these guys. Uh, first of all, the guy on the left, I think, is Danny. Yes, he's the guy that sent it in, Daniel K. Luke, what do you think of his tat on his wrist there? Who is that? Hard to see. I can't really make much of it. Uh, he definitely... Wow, look at this guy. I mean, this I love is... the beard, right? That beard is solid. And the guy on the right, I can't quite tell. This almost looks like a look like a Peruvian jersey or something. I, I, I don't even know what that is. I think is. the guy on the right F's a little bit, right? Probably a little bit. He's got like a Danny Segura vibe. Like he kind of cleans up. I mean, he's not I mean, full it, on listen, Uncle Listen, the Pepper. guy on the left, if someone was like, what do you think, if, if you could find a guy who's ever been arrested for <laughs> masturbating in an Arby's drive-thru, what would he look like? <laughs> Wow, wow. Shout out to our boy Daniel. Love that dog, by the way, uh, Norman. So big, big fan of And Norman it looks like there. the guy on the right was like maybe his friend riding shotgun who was like trying to talk him out of it, but just yeah. went along with it. I'm sure Daniel might have uh, set up the camera for uh, for Sean there on his first sexual experience. It's possible, Luke. It's possible. All right. Also, I got to say the lime green socks. First of all, that dog is awesome. Let's just be honest about the dog. Yes. But yes. Uh, the lime green socks. This is... This is automatic. A woman hasn't been here signal, you know, like like nothing else is. I don't know. I think poor man's Ronaldo over there gets gets it done. I'm telling you, he's got that look he in might. his eyes, that he that might. unnatural confidence that only uh, Latin men have, Luke, or Spanish men actually. Spanish men have that. Yeah. All right, uh, Luke, good. let's keep it rolling. You could have had that, by the way, first day of high school if you took my uh, plutonium and then get I know, it for, I know. for the good of the world. Uh, ben S sliding in. Hey fellas, you're packing some serious <laughs> heat Jesus. here. Ben says, this hopefully... This devolves into gay pornography. I don't understand. <laughs> he says, hopefully this isn't too raunchy for the show. It's close. Look, it's pretty damn close, okay? We do tip to tip on Fridays, not Wednesdays. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, you are, is... you are entirely responsible for this. Oh, I mean, if it was under the auspices of kickboxing, would you be okay with it, Luke? I don't know. These guys look like they're straight out of the YMCA. Look, this is uh, this is wonderful. Yeah, which is wow. fine, but I just don't understand how this became the symbol of the show. <laughs> Although we got some tight buns, look at that. You're like the trade-off might be worth it. You know, it might be worth it. All right, uh, this one's from at cap underscore YouTube, whatever that means. Hey fellas, day one MK listener here. My hobby is creating characters in video games. Last year, I created Luke and BC and UFC three on from EA Sports. This is the, the first pick for a refresher in what I did last year. BC acknowledged my creation of him on Twitter. He also featured my LT creation on episode 69 of MK in a video where I matched him up versus Ariel Hawani created fighter. I remember that, Luke. You knocked him out. I've got a fresh fan submission for you guys today. Seeing that BC is such a huge pro wrestling fan, I thought it would be fitting to insert him into that world. So here is my BC creator wrestler from WWE K 2020. Uh, 2K 2020, complete with the MK-themed attire forever. Luke, how good? It's not easy to do this on these video games to make it look good. How good is this, Luke? Everything is good except for your face, which looks like it's melting. Can we zoom in again, please, Manich? Just stay zoomed in, bro. We got to check this out. So the, the crotch logo of the Rising Sun is brilliant. The the the, the tip On the to elbow tip pads, fingers. too. Yes, yes. The tip to and tip finger. Correct me if I'm wrong, BC, but are you wearing weightlifting gloves? It looks like you are. Yeah. 
I mean, they got the build pretty much right on the frame, Luke. The the shoulders and the chest and the back. No, I mean, they, they, they did they did they did a little. They helped you out a little bit. They helped <laughs> you out a little bit, but it's okay. It does, actually, I think it's very well done, candidly. Yeah. And, you know, the Michelangelo and everything, but Sistine Chapel, but uh, the face, man, dude, it looks like you got hit with a frying pan too many times. They did straighten my nose out, so shout out to that, Luke. Good stuff right there. I don't know if he's got the wandering. Uh, uh, low pan eye, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, this right. one's from Matthew. Am I crazy or did Luke pull a Dustin Poirier and make his own hot sauce? Thanks for all you do, Matthew. By the way, I'm being dead wrong live on air. Someone was telling me the guy with the jersey that had the red stripe across was a River Plate, which is one of the big teams out of Argentina, them and Boca Juniors. Oh, uh, then that okay. means that guy definitely, definitely gets it done, Luke. All right, let's blow Handmade this up. Handmade batches, Hoff sauce. Who was Hoff? I don't know, but that is somewhat pre-gray Luke Thomas right there, right? A little bit. I, I look like Peter Parker's boss. Yes, yes. I would try that Hoff sauce, right? Sure. Yeah, all right. Uh, Matthew said he hopes to see me tonight in Newark for AEW. Unfortunately, I had to cancel. I won't be going there in the third row, Luke. I'm going to be missing out. Why? On... Why'd you cancel? I got a lot of family stuff at home. I got a lot of things I got to I gotta take care of. Uh, you and I are going to be in Jersey City next week. Originally, it was going to be this week, but, uh, you know. A lot of good shit coming. So, uh, Matthew, enjoy right. the show. I'll be watching at home. Believe that. All right. Let's keep it going. This one's from Jason Allen. What's going on, BC and LT? Jay from Boston, back <laughs> for the fourth time. This week, I'm paying my respects to some of the funny shit you guys said last week. First, we have the MK crew in the rundown starring The Rock and Sean William Scott. Last week, when you both were talking about The Rock and Gable transitioning from WWE to other ventures, ventures Luke then brought up rundown and how he thought it actually wasn't that bad. I put LT as The Rock because he's been hitting the weights hard. BC, on the other hand, a cardio boxing class a couple of times a week couldn't hurt. Wow. That's wow. not true. BC, you've been – I feel like BC's like been, been you know, you've been, been, doing, you've been doing hard work that no one sees. I think. Yeah. I, I'm not going as hard as I did the first – month but uh i'm doing I'm, I'm doing the slow and steady thing Luke, okay? i'm dude i'm just gonna get on steroids honestly i really i mean am, it's BC. about I should time just tell you that it's about because time, listen man i have been absolutely I, I i'm having a moment of frustration if i can be honest with you i have been fucking murdering myself in the gym and i'm trying to get as much recovery and everything as possible the amount of work i've put in if i was 20 years ago i'd be fucking bricked up by now and yeah. at 42 people can't even tell that i fucking go to the gym it's the you most need, frustrating shit you need a molotov cocktail of stanazol winstraw <laughs> i'm tired of this dude i'm ready to just kiss my hair goodbye all the way and then just get on the fucking sauce because if i could this refer shit is you hard work and i'm not getting much from, from it you know who you should actually talk to because because he's you know he's he's been there lorenzo fertita that's who you should talk to yeah i'll, I'll ring him all right all right uh, Jason Allen also has uh, a second one. Continuing with the Gable Stevenson talk, next week we have BC as another, or next we have BC as another Olympic wrestling gold medalist from WWE, Kurt Angle. Luke, please save the dirty joke you're probably thinking of and give respect to the art of Milkomania, which is one of the greatest segments of the WWF Attitude Era, which is yeah, a true. See, fact. this is why I don't watch pro wrestling. <sighs> Sometimes it's hard to defend. Most most times it's hard to defend, Luke, but. I mean, it's 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 art, just the same. All right. All right. So, fair enough. Uh, all right. Last but not least, from Jason Allen, 
We have LT as Miss Cleo. Last week, Luke caught some heat from some clowns because he predicted that something bad could happen to Evander Holyfield in the boxing ring. On Thursday's live chat, you addressed this and said, I'm not Miss Cleo. Well, LT, turns out your bold prediction was correct, and we all saw how the real deal fared. Thank you both, MK all day, every motherfucking day. Does, did it not... Fu- so, uh, Maybe surprise is the wrong word. What did you make? I, you know what? Let me ask you this, BC. What did you make of the people pre-fight who were like, dude, Holyfield's going to smoke him? Like, how fucking dumb do you have to be where that is your take? Yeah, I think people thought he was going to defensively be be tight, which, you, you know, and hide behind the guard and then land big counter shots. But, dude, it's, I mean, look, Bernard Hopkins is one of the, I mean, one of the, Count them on your hand, people who at 50 could have like a credible boxing performance. At 58 against somebody with Vitor's history who's only 44, no chance, Luke, no chance, no chance. I was blown away by that. I mean, just no chance. No chance. It was going to end badly. And this was a, hey, please don't sue us, here's your money type of deal. You know, no, no. All right, Matt S. slides in, says, BC hosting Friday's shows which is really what people look out for all week. Let's see what he's got. <laughs> is that gaff number two? That does look like gaff number two, and then and then Luke Thomas number one. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate, Luke. I think the people have spoken, though, in terms of which host they prefer. Okay, just my uh, editorial this week. Thank you, Matt S., for doing that. Mm-hmm. Shout out to gaff, by the way. Does this guy know gaff? I don't know. I don't Look, know. I've Gaff, saying, does he know you? I've been saying for a long time that we need to get Gaff and Manich as, you know, playable characters in the MK universe like a, like Jay Aaron. But I don't know if they're hesitant, Luke. I, you know, I mean, we didn't ruin Jay Aaron's career. He's no, Jay still. is just, uh, you know, Jay's got problems. Okay, He's okay. unique. Gaff doesn't Gaff's, know this yeah, guy. Apparently Gaff doesn't know this guy. All right. Final one from at Heavy Riff Magnet. Hey there, fella alpha, al- fellow Alpha Donks. Thanks for featuring my MK Dying Fetus logo on MK200. Uh, congrats, blah, blah, blah. And as promised, here's a super 90s band logo for our man from the Clinton era, JMMA's biggest fan and a surprisingly thoughtful boxing journalist when he needs to be, Brian Campbell. If you've got some shit, I always want to see it. Luke, that looks very 90s. Super 90s. Yeah, um, I, I actually like that. It's got the... Uh, it's got this. Luke, by the way, I can be a very thoughtful analyst when I need to be. Do I need to I be? I know. One? I've never said otherwise. In fact, I think you underperform relative to that, given how good you are. Oh, well, thank you for that. Wow. Um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I don't know if I need to be, though, Luke. You, know? you, you mean during the time in which we're requiring your services and with that particular skill set? Yes. I mean, it seems like a very good time to do that. Um, I like that logo. Um, Luke, just so the people know, next week, you and I, you be doing a bunch of live shows from the the bunker from the uh, that's right and tons of other stuff as well so yeah um we are going to be back together i'm very much looking forward to it of course next week is ufc 266 it is also anthony joshua alexander Usyk heavyweight championship fight week so we're gonna have a lot to preview we got a lot as you mentioned uh some, some bonus stuff that you're really going to like out there that we're going to be putting together so uh, i'm excited to get back with the team luke we are just a better show in person i mean there's not you know i think you know sometimes when we go too long you and i are both like i don't know if i want to do this show with this person anymore but then we get back together and we're like 
you know, you know the relationship I'm, sucks, but the I like know, the, doing the show. I didn't like today's wheel, but maybe next week's wheel will be better. And uh, I like, I love doing the shows in person. That's where that's where the magic happens. Yeah, that is that's where it happens. All right, uh, Luke, you got any 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 uh, ad reads or anything? I mean. It's, Just a reminder, yeah. so for Saturday, of course, Showtime, if you want to watch the return of Yoel Romero to Mixed Martial Arts, one place to do it, Showtime is your place. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, do whatever it is you want to do with the uh, life, but you can watch. It should be a lot of fun. As BC indicated, morningcombat at gmail.com for Friday's Dead Wrong or for fan subs, either way. Or to reach out to the show, just let us know when we got wrong or what you want to send over. That'd be fine. Uh, like the video, hit subscribe. We're all over social. Morning Combat's name is the same everywhere. But BC and I, as you can see, there have slightly different names between Twitter and Instagram. And then don't forget, folks, you got to go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code COMBAT to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. Promo code is COMBAT with a K, K-O-M-B-A-T, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, well, Luke, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Speaking of the uh, MKDK Bukake uh, uni unifying uh, plan right here, Thursday night football, NFL, normally I would say take that $200 and put it on whomever the Washington Redskins are playing. I'm sorry, football WFT is playing. Luke... Your team this Thursday night is at home against the New York Giants, the largely hapless New York Giants. Um, you know, I don't have the official DK line at the moment, but I think last time I checked, the Redskins are about a three-point favorite at home here. What do you suggest that people do, given you know how bad your team is, but you know how worse those Giants are? What should they do with their $200 here Thursday night? Uh, I tend to think that the Washington football team is a sorry-ass excuse for a team that every year the media somehow convinces everyone locally that everything has changed and really nothing ever really changes. But I will say that I think their defensive line this year is going to be better than it has been in a long time, actually pretty good. I think, dude, the New York Giants look bad. They look really fucking bad. So I don't think that Dub FT can beat a whole lot of teams. So they're going to go, what? Seven and nine this season, maybe something like that. But one of those seven is going to be the New York Giants. I do believe that. Wow. A man that does not like to make predictions is telling you, take that 200 large on the DraftKings app. Put it on WFT at home. I'm sorry I said the old name. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not institutionalized yet, Luke. And then in the new way of doing things, but I will be soon. Um, I typically don't talk about your team much, but uh, this should be interesting Thursday night. Just the same. Okay. You probably got to go crap. Let's, that's it. That's it. That's it. All right. For Brian Campbell, as well as the King of Connecticut, as well as Malka, Showtime and CBS Sports. Live chat tomorrow at 3. Show on Friday at 11 a.m. We'll be there. You be there. And we'll all be there together. Until then, may all of your gains be loyal.